Welcome back to the Trifecta Soft Podcast. I'm your host, E-Rock. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button if you haven't already, so you never miss another podcast. Also, do me a favor. Go on to whatever podcast app you listen to us on and give us a rating and review. That really helps us rank in the searches. Thank you so much. Let's get into the podcast. Man, your background looks awesome. Thanks. Uh, welcome to the podcast. All right, I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. Captain K, I love the shirt. Uh, I love your call sign. I think it's cool, man. I've had it for um, since 2013 or so. <laughs> That's what I, uh, so I was stalking your Instagram, looking up some stuff on you, you know, to see, because I just found out about you like two days ago from uh, Honey Badger. He's been very active, uh, liking all my stuff and uh, just, he spreads the good to everybody's Instagrams everywhere. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's a good dude. And I actually got the pleasure of meeting him at uh, at High Ground last weekend. Well, I'm glad you said that because that's how you came up in our conversation was he asked me if I was going to go to that event. And I said, he texted me through Instagram and said, are you going to this uh, grand opening? And I said, what grant? What is it? Which one? And because I forgot, like the day before, I had liked, uh, you know, Evic's story on, you know, the grand opening thing, and um, so I was like, "What? What is it?" And he goes, uh, "The Evic grand opening in uh, in Houston, or no?" He said the Evic grand opening. I was like, "Oh, well, where is it?" He's like, "It's in Texas." I'm like, "Bro, no, I'm not driving that far." And he's like, so anyway, that came up in the conversation. That was our text. That came up in the conversation the other day on our uh, podcast, which will come out uh, in a couple of days. Well, he goes, well, Captain K drove out there and, and he's like out but out there by you because you live in Georgia. I'm in South Carolina. And uh, I said, oh, shit, I can't say anything now. <laughs> <laughs> you fucked it up, man. Oh, shit, I had to go out there now. <laughs> It, it was a nutty last-minute decision. I was hoping the guys from my team would be able to go, and they couldn't. The wild thing is I actually fly for free with work, but the girlfriend wanted to come with, and I wanted to play, and checking airsoft guns in the airplane is not an easy task. So, mm. Well, speaking of that, uh, so a couple things, but uh, and we'll get into your work and stuff too, because you work, uh, you're a mechanic, right, for the airlines? Yeah. And uh, you used to be an auto mechanic, I'm guessing. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, but quick question on on the traveling by, you know, flying with uh, airsoft guns. So you work in that, in that industry. So is it, is it really that difficult to, uh, to check those in? Like what, what process does somebody have to go through if they wanted to fly from another, you know, from this state to that state? with uh, airsoft equipment. The thing of it is that you actually have to have two separate cases. I've been told that the gun has to be in two separate parts. So you separate the receiver uh, top and bottom in one case, and then the magazines can't be carried in the same case as the gun. Ah, uh, okay. So now, how about, like, gear? Are they uh, uptight about gear, like uh, helmets and... The, all the that, you know, tactical gear, vests and plate carriers and shit. That I actually hadn't looked into yet. I was 
Yeah. I looked into it very little before I was like, no, this is too much trouble. I'm driving. <laughs> uh, so when you went to this event out there in Houston, you, uh, you were able to fly though. I, well, I had, I had to drive out there just oh. because she can't fly with me yet. We're not married. And yeah, because I'm not full time in the company yet, which I should have been by this point. Gotcha. Um, I can't, add, I can't just add her as a travel companion and all that. So I wanted, I wanted the companionship on the drive, especially when, you know, the guys couldn't go with me. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So you did drive out there. Shit. Yeah. That's uh, what was that? 12, 15 hours. So what made it even crazier was we drove 12 hours in, we went to the event and we drove 12 hours right back out. Damn. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. That is, uh, yeah. That's like long distance truck driving, you know? Oh yeah. And I made it through 20 of the 24 hours before it was, before she's like, all right, I'm going to take over. You're falling asleep over here. No shit. You hit those bumps on the side of the road on the freeway. You're like, Oh, that's that. That's my cue. Okay. Next. Yeah, it's not fun. <laughs> no shit. Oh, I've been there a plenty of times. I tell you, yeah, that's good, man. Uh, it was really cool. You went out there. So you said it was uh, spur of the moment. What? Um, like, how did that come up? Around um, me and the guys did. Uh, my my buddy he Ubers. So they're all the the three guys that I play airsoft with. They're all actors. So when they don't have work, they do. Um, side job stuff. So he Ubers and he actually gets paid to carry this advertisement sign on top of his car, but he's got to drive so many hours. I said, Hey, I know what you need to do. Let's just drive 12 hours out to Houston. And he was, we were almost there. Like as of the weekend before they were kicking it around still. And then he's like, dude, I don't got the money. So, you know, shout out to those guys. I went, you know, a big, Big thing that pushed me over to driving 12 hours myself was, you know, those guys couldn't be there. So I was, I was determined to get there. Damn, dude. That's crazy. Yeah. Speaking of uh, your buddies, uh, I saw, I'm scrolling through your Instagram, you know, today, earlier today and then uh, tonight before we got on. And I saw you dressed up in this badass looking suit on one of your pictures. And I swear it said something about the walking dead. So you were, uh, is that your buddy Jason? Cause I think you tagged him in it and I, I saw, you know, saw his Instagram or whatever. Um, so how did you guys get into this and was it the, the walking dead? Yes, we were actually on the TV show. Oh. Uh, I, I'm actually an absolute rookie with all of that. Uh, so the way it came about for me personally was my sister's been on the show for well over two years now. And she started photo doubling. She did extra work. And then she actually graduated to the point where she started doing all kinds of jobs for the main actors themselves. So she didn't even have to act anymore. She was doing babysitting and dog sitting for main uh, like directors and cast members and all that. So oh, she, she rubs elbows with everybody now. Um, but she just, we were, it, it was a bad time. I wasn't really making much money at the auto place I was at. And my dad had actually just passed. I was off work for a while. And she said, why don't you come film a couple days? 
and they hook you up even as background on that show. She said, all right, you got to take two COVID tests before each filming day. She said the COVID tests pay an entire day's pay. So we were making a buck 25 just to go test. And I'd go take off on lunch, go get my nose swabbed, drive back and make that on top of my work money. And all I had, I'd take two days off and make a good chunk of change. Oh my gosh. That's wild. And so I met all the guys there, and they are the professionals. They have been – so the, I know some of them were there before uh, the final season's happenings with uh, – those guys are the stormtroopers. They call they, – or they call them troopers. They look like stormtroopers, but it's straight out of the comics. Yeah. And they are the fighting force, whether you like them or not. They're the fighting force of the final large – uh, civilization that the main characters come across. So you see guys like Daryl and Rosita and all all these main characters intermingling with them and working for them. Um, but these guys started, the three guys that I play Airsoft with, they started back before that, but they ran all the way through as the as the troopers. So they were there from the end of season 10 all the way through 11, which was, to my understanding, like 24 episodes. So these guys oh, stuck it out. Yeah. No shit. That's crazy. And I did all my episodes. I worked. I got to work with some pretty cool uh, main characters. The guy who plays Daryl Norman was in all three of my episodes, I think. And the funniest thing about him was that armor that we were wearing. It's horribly, horribly uncomfortable, which... From being in the military earlier on, it wasn't anything to me, and then airsoft, it's, it wasn't a big deal. But it's right. really uncomfortable. And Norman had the script rewritten multiple times so that he didn't have to wear the armor. <laughs> and the first time he wears the armor, they, they're finally they're like, you have to wear it. You don't have any choice. It was the main episode that I got most of my FaceTime in. And the first thing he does is walks over to me where I'm standing as a, just an extra outside, and we're not supposed to talk to them outright but if they talk to us it's good yeah. and he says how do you guys wear this comfortably and i was just like dude you don't i'm sorry to tell you you can't do it <laughs> there's no tricks bro nope, this is gonna it, be it hurt until end of the scene here <laughs> holy shit so it was it was like this um like under armor thermal gear underneath the black and then the armor was uh, this plasticky foam stuff. Yeah. And so in the cold, it did nothing for you. In the wind, it did nothing for you. And then in the heat, it burned <laughs> you up. So it was rough. Oh my God. That's terrible. It's like, dude, who puts these things together? You know, like what the hell was uh, my sister actually worked for the lady who did costume. And t to my knowledge, it wasn't, it wasn't designed by somebody who was uh, – it wasn't designed by them specifically, so I think it was somebody that never had to wear it and didn't, wasn't thinking about the comfort or anything. Right, because there's so many so. things now. Like I, I can imagine like 30, 40 years ago before you know internet like where you can transfer information easily and people are making their own molds and 3D printing and all this kind of shit nowadays. But back then I, I can imagine it would be difficult like – Hey, I don't know. Uh, you know, things these outfits would be 
really uncomfortable, but it seems like today there's so many things to put together uh, and things to find online where you can say, hey, um, you can make this thing look shiny like it's plastic or, you know, like a uh, thick armor, but it's really not, you know, uh, and it's very comfortable to wear and, you know, mobility and stuff. But, um, yeah, it's... <laughs> It was all – I think it was all cost efficiency because they needed so many of us in the background. Now, the the hero costumes, as they called them, that the that the main characters got to wear, I think those were a lot cushier than what we were wearing but and, and well-maintained too. Ours were just like oh, yeah. swapped around everybody. And... <laughs> oh, that's hilarious, man. Oh, yeah. You, you pick up somebody else's pieces and it's all like dripping sweat yeah. and – you're like, oh man, whose body odor is this? Come here, that's you, man. You smell like onions. Come here. <laughs> oh shit. They, they said there was a time early on where everybody was kind of keeping the same costume, but during COVID, uh, there there was a lot of issues with the film industry. And come, it wasn't they weren't active during COVID, but when they came back, there was a lot of issues where. A lot of the main people, a lot of the main people that were with them the whole time, they just kind of dipped out. So mm. everything just started getting thrown around. And there are people like me that were coming in for two or three episodes, you know, just, I mean, whatever, whatever yeah. they could get. So that makes sense. So skeleton crew, kind of like they've lost, yeah. you know, a handful of experienced people, uh, and then you know a lot of the background guys like. You know, extras, I guess, you guys, uh, like yeah. you guys or whatever, were are, are always pretty new, I guess, yeah. right? Because even if uh, somebody's been an extra, uh, like, I, oh, I played an extra, for, you know, since in the last five years, you know, for five years or whatever, but you're not, it's not something you do weekly or monthly. It's usually, you know, here and there, kind of sporadic and different. Actually... For the show itself, those guys were were actually. It would take it would take breaks here and there, but those guys were actually filming almost weekly. I know all. Wow. I did two episodes, one right after the other, and we filmed them one week after the other. I think there may have been like a weather delay in between, so that was the only thing. But yeah. they can pay you a whole day for that, so you get paid for not even being there, and then they'd send you over to the next. To the next week, but I mean, if you stuck with it and did every episode, you were there almost weekly until they took breaks. Oh wow, that's cool. Okay, see, I w- I guess uh, I I have no knowledge of this, like background knowledge, or I've never been involved in any of this kind of stuff. So my assumption was that they uh, like the with mass amount of people, you know, you know, bigger groups where they have to have a lot of extras or something. Uh, in a TV show, in a movie, you know, they they can. It, it's kind of one and done, you know, because it's uh, yeah. they they set the scenes and it's done. But a, a weekly series, uh, I thought that maybe they would take uh, that they would film extras in large groups, uh, like one you know a couple days of filming, not just for each scene for that one episode, but um, just random. Like, okay, we can use this for you know two weeks from now, or just kind of you know edit it a little bit and use it for the background for this. So uh, I didn't know it was like, hey, we're going to use, you know, film you every week. That was the interesting thing to me. So it was by location. So if they needed, if they, within a small amount of time, if they needed different scenes from different episodes in the same location, they could film them 
all there if they wanted to use them in different episodes. And the my favorite filming day was the one when I actually got all the I got all the FaceTime on there because that was the thing they said I was lucky because most of the time those guys were filmed it was with goggles, helmet, mask, all that. You couldn't tell anybody from anybody else. Yeah. And so that day we were actually walking around the compound that we were stationed out of. It's like our little base, I guess. And there was so much FaceTime in those scenes. It was crazy. So I actually got, I think I was able to pick myself out five different times in those scenes. And only one of them, I was actually in full gear where you couldn't tell who I was. But the rest of it was, you know, you could full on tell, hey, that's me or... Hey, Dalton's right there, one of our other guys. And, uh, or Jason's my favorite because if you actually Google Commonwealth, which is who our soldiers are supposed to work for, mm-hmm. you'll see him with the, the lady that plays Rosita come up all over the place because it was a, I guess it was a crucial sh- scene or something like that. <laughs> so I mess with him all the time about that. I'm like, dude, you're famous. You never said a line <laughs> and you're famous. <laughs> oh, that's wild. I actually followed, uh, that Commonwealth thing on Instagram. I followed that. Uh, well, maybe it's the airsoft team. Is that? Yes. That's okay, our team. So you, that's your team. Yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah. There it is. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah. I just followed that because you had it tagged in one of your posts. Yeah. That's pretty cool, man. Uh, so that did that, your team name come up from. Yes. That? Okay. So I, it was, it was, that was just how we all met. There's four of us that play a lot, myself, Lucas, Jason, and Dalton. And then sometimes we'll get guys, uh, we'll get some other guys from, uh, from set that'll come play with us. Um, Jake and Marcus have both played with us. And then my sister and, uh, her roommate have said that they're going to come play at some point. So we're excited to just get as many people to come out and join us as we can. Dude, it's growing fast. Yeah, that's cool, man. So you didn't know Jason or any of those guys until you met him on set. Yeah, not at all. I didn't. I didn't have any any clue. Oh shit! And now, so how did how did it come up about airsoft? Why you're why so you're the it was the last day I filmed. I think we were we were filming really short, kind of zoomed out scenes, so you couldn't really tell who was who. Um, just for the final episode of that chunk of episodes. And uh, we were sitting around waiting uh, in the woods for another scene. And I want to say it was Jason was talking about, hey, Halloween's coming up. We want to co- go play a zombie event somewhere. And I heard Airsoft. And I was like, oh, hey, I play too. You know, what are you guys talking about doing? And so we all talked back and forth about it. And unfortunately, we couldn't find an event like that. Um, I know my home field that I used to play that I used to play and work at back in 2012. They used to do one every year, but they're not around now. Mm-hmm. We couldn't find one, so uh, and we actually didn't get around to talking about it again until the wrap party for background, which was in April, I think. Mm-hmm. And then they said, "We're actually gonna," you know, we actually all got face to face, and they said, "We're we're gonna do this." And so we ended up meeting at our local field there within a couple of weeks. And ever since then, we've, we've, we've all been hanging out a lot, you know, you know, on or off the airsoft field, getting to know each other really well. And it's been, it's been wonderful to, you know, find another group of friends through that. 
Yeah, man, that is cool. Okay. Yeah, I saw his, uh, you had him tagged in one of the posts and I saw his uh, Instagram and then I, I think that's between you and him, I, I found your team and I was like, oh, I think that's connected with the, the Stormtrooper thing, you know, and see, I didn't watch the last, uh, well, I, I think I watched the first season and part of the second season of Walking Dead and I never kept up, uh, kept up with it after that. Um, so I got real busy and, you know, I just, I wasn't really watching TV very much. So, uh, I didn't know when I saw your suits, I'm like, honestly, that's the first time I saw them. I'm like, that's the walking dead. What the fuck? Stormtroopers in the walking dead. What's going on? Uh, <laughs> so I'm terrible with, you know, this background knowledge on that stuff. But, uh, but the, uh, the, uh, outfits look awesome. You know, um, it, they're it, tactical. It, it, yeah, it was it, it I mean it was a lot of fun and my whole goal, I mean, the you know, the pay was cool and all that, but my whole goal right. I was like I want to see myself in the episode. Yeah. So w- once I got that, I was like, yes, the 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 first and last episodes I filmed, I got you couldn't tell who I was, but that that one episode in the middle made it all worth it. Well, do you mind if and, I pull it up on screen? I'll share the screen. Yeah, go for it. Uh, Cuz you how did you get those screenshots by the way? Uh, those pictures on your Instagram of you and this, like in that, was somebody taking pictures there or did you screenshot I pulled them. I pulled them out of the episode, which I had to go about it some really stupid way because AMC's, uh, I think, oh, I had to take a picture of, I had to take a picture of my TV screen. That's how I did it. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I thought it looked a little grainy and I was like, I wonder if somebody was taking, uh, do, you know, taking a picture while you were filming or whatever like maybe they were it was low lighting and uh yeah. yeah that makes sense okay well that's the coolest thing i was actually so the fight that's that main episode i filmed the last the last scene i was the only background in that scene it was a real serious one and i was actually i had to walk out of the room right at the beginning so yeah. i was able to watch the rest of the scene play out on multiple monitors in front of me where they were filming it and the thing that blows me away is, you know, you watch The Walking Dead and it looks all dark and, you know, gloomy and all that. It's not edited. They do all of that on on set and on camera live. It looks like that when you when it comes through the camera screen, which is the amazing thing. Wow. Yeah, I wonder Those guys how are the camera good. picks that up without being grainy. Yeah, it, I don't, that's wild. Okay. The guys would come in between scenes, and you know, you'd ha- it'd be the same room, but they would, they could actually add more light outside or cover up light from certain directions. So they all that they did on the fly. It was the coolest oh my thing. God, that's wild. Okay, those guys are heroes. Look- that fascinates me. <laughs> yeah, that that mu- it must look uh, better doing it that way than uh, you know, like more natural than uh, trying to do it, you know, editing that shit later, like digitally or whatever. Yeah, it was, it it was a, it was a phenomenal experience to, when you've watched, I mean, the secret, like you, like you were saying, the secret to most of us is I, when you talk to people, hey, have you watched the show or whatever? Most people are like, oh, I watched the first season. I've never seen it. I've watched a couple episodes. (laughs) I tried to binge through it. And because my sister was in it, I want to catch up where she was at before I even knew I'd be on the show. 
And I got the six and a half and trying to watch it all the way. It's a good show, but trying to watch all of that all at one time is just, yeah, it's a lot. <clears throat> That's what I found with uh, most shows, to be honest, uh, is the binge watching stuff. Like even a really good show, it's, uh, it gets to be too much. Like, uh, <clears throat> I remember we watched, um, we watched, uh, Breaking Bad probably three times and um you know when it first came out and then oh here we go and then when uh you know just year a couple years later or whatever but it was the second time we watched it we binged you know we just were like bored one weekend it was during the lockdowns and you know everything's slow and this is a few years before i started working again and i was like <clears throat> i started watching and like that show's exciting and dramatic and, you know, but it's got, you know, it's not a feel good show. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a lot of episodes that end like, uh, you know, you're just, there's things that happen throughout it that makes you feel kind of shitty. And, um, so just that one episode is fine, but you're, Oh, right into the next. And then it just, you know, continues into the next and the next. And after like four hours of this shit, you walk, yeah. you know, you turn it off at the end of the night. And you're like, oh, God damn, man. I feel like shit. <laughs> what a, uh, like everyone is on meth and everyone is, you know, just killing, each, you know, kill each other. Uh, this, this impending doom kind of, you know, feel or whatever. Uh, there's a lot of shows that, uh, if you, if you, um, binge watch like that it just gets too much you know uh but if you watch it weekly there's a couple shows i think they're starting to get back into that man because uh what was it halo on paramount the halo show uh they didn't release it all at once it was weekly there was a couple other ones that were kind of popular that came out recently that uh they were doing the same thing and uh they had filmed them all but they released them you know one at a time uh, and maybe that's what people are going back to. I don't know, you know. To uh, with their Disney Plus stuff, and I, there were several of them that I definitely watched, you know, through one week at a time, you know, as they were coming out, because it's it takes you back to your childhood at that point when you had to wait. <laughs> right. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, I think uh, people are starting to be like. Uh, yeah, it's kind of nice, you know, having to have something to look forward to next week. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go live, uh, or share the screen. So okay. not go live, but that's what it's called on discord is <laughs> go live. <laughs> but, um, when I do that, you should get a notification or something to come up or it might come up automatically. I don't know, but, uh, it should say watch stream. If you can't see the third screen pop up. You see it? Yep. Okay, cool. So I got your uh, your Instagram pulled up here, and this is the uh, one of your pictures out of a handful here of you in the suit, and this is where you're unmasked. You know where you you don't have the helmet on, so you can see you're right there in the forefront. Because I was uh, trying trying to get that more military look, like they wanted us to do, so no beard there. <laughs> yeah, man. And then 
I'm going to scroll through these. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah, these are cool, man. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by Skirmish, the future of Airsoft gameplay management. Are you ready to take Airsoft to the next level? Skirmish's innovative gameplay solution keeps players and spectators engaged with real-time updates. Capture objectives, detonate targets, medic, and more at Skirmish-enabled fields. Skirmish tracks every action so you don't have to. Review past games, action by action, and follow your progress in national rankings. Phones are not required. If you want to find out more, head to skirmish.net. And check out episode 157 of this podcast where I talk with the owner of Skirmish about how it started and how it works. Stay connected, my friends. I actually was still in back then. I think I think one of those filming days actually coincided with when I was doing military stuff, too. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, uh, I was going to ask you about that um, after this, but uh, you're, you were yeah. in the Army, is that right? Yes, I did eight and a half years in the Army Reserve. Okay. Yeah, that's a long time. So every year, the the uh, two weeks and um, was it once a month, and then yeah, once in the summer. Yeah, and sometimes it wasn't. They don't tell you that up front. Sometimes it's not in the summer, so you'd have some very interesting <laughs> conversations with professors or bosses or whatever else. Like uh, sometimes it's not as advertised. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now, what uh, during these these pictures I'm scrolling through, uh, explain what's what's going on here. Like, who's this guy in the background? Is he uh, one of the helper guys or whatever, the grips or the key grip or something? Um, the guy with the blue shirt. He's he's one of the characters that's actually in the scene. That was okay. that last that was that last one when I was the only background. He was it was a really intense scene. He was walking in. He's one of those characters that you don't like when when he's in character, and uh, he comes back to pay all the people. He sent Daryl and Rosita and two other guys in um, to his his old mansion, I guess, that had been taken over by somebody. I I don't know who it was. It may have been the Walkers. It may have been people, but to get his money back. Yeah, and he came in with Daryl and Rosita sitting there and drops the cash on the table and tells them, thank you, you know, and he says, uh, where'd the other two guys go? And they got killed. And so they're kind of pissed off about the whole situation. And the general's sitting back in the corner of the room too, and he's not happy about it either. So it's just a real intense. So after I walk out, that guy walks in the, the young guy and does all that. And then it's cuts to a real, one of those serious Daryl looks where he looks back over his shoulder at the camera and he's excellent <laughs> in character. He just always looks like he's dead serious and yeah. uh, pissed off. And sometimes he looks like that when you run into him when he's not <laughs> acting too, but he's, he's a really great guy. They, everybody loves to be around him. That's cool. Now whose boot is on this desk right here? That's Daryl. He's he was okay. kicked up there uh, waiting, and she uh, Rosita was on the other side. Okay, let's see. Here we go. We got then, uh, the other. That's side. an earlier scene where okay. he, where the the young the the young guy and uh, his girlfriend walk in from back there, and that's the only shot I could get because it was so fast. 
<laughs> that okay. scene is right after. Uh, remember, I told you he walked up to me yeah. and uh, asked how to wear how the armor wears comfortably. That's where <laughs> that's right where that happened. At. Oh, that's funny, dude. Yeah, yeah. He don't look happy there. <laughs> no, he, it was the first scene in the armor he was <laughs> he looks like he's about to pull his chest thing down you know like get this thing out of yep. my neck <laughs> yeah he was he he was he was he was not having it but it was it was a good day and the guy right there the guy in front of me with the red hair that's dalton he's one of the guys that i play airsoft with oh shit nice okay man that's cool what a cool experience, man. So how did your sister uh, get into that in the first place? She just wanted to do acting. And uh, I um, I think she had taken classes, some, some classes, and tried to get with an agency years back. And she hadn't really gone anywhere with it since, but she just decided – after college to get back into it and she just answered the call to be a photo double for somebody so that's like when they don't want to pay the main character to be in the scene and this person looks close enough from a distance and then she just took off from there she's played all kinds of roles died in all kinds of roles <laughs> oh that's wild okay so uh when they when they have this um you just like there's a website you can go to to find these casting calls or something. Yeah, like I was area. actually I was actually to... getting them um through Facebook and all that. Mm. Yeah, um cool. so there was a specific they just gave it to a specific I'm trying to think of what you call that, like an agency. Yeah. And a lot of times I I went directly through somebody that my sister knew. Um, but a lot of times they'd say, Hey, we need this person, this type of person for this type of role. And you'd know, we knew when it was walking dead, but they wouldn't say it outright until you answered the call and all that. Gotcha. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. What a fun experience, man. Uh, you know, one of the other guys, uh, I've talked with, he actually followed our channel when we first started we were probably not even a year into making our YouTube channel and um, he, uh, he, st he ended up starting his own YouTube channel, Airsoft channel, uh, Caleb Tucker Airsoft. And uh, he's up in Ohio where I'm from actually, not in the same area, a little bit uh, farther from, you know, but in the same state. And uh, I, he was in a, um, he was in a big movie uh, as a background. He was, um, Oh, I'm not gonna remember the name, but uh, it had Mark Ruffalo, and it was kind of like a based on true story. It was about the um, the water being contaminated in I can't remember what state, but uh, all of these <clears throat> all this guy's cattle, like this whole town, the like all the cattle were dying, and like oh, you know, within a couple days. Because this chem or this uh, plant, I can't remember if it was a chemical plant, uh, some kind of manufacturing plant had uh, was contaminating the water. Well, and this is years ago, and it took. And he, Mark Ruffalo, was the lawyer that took him on to prove all this stuff, and you know, get kind of compensation for the victims or whatever. 
that uh, were dying from, you know, and then the people started getting cancer and shit, you know, in this town. I think it was called Dark Waters, actually. So Caleb Tucker was, uh, he's got some screenshots as well, where he's a background in there. And um, he got to meet Tim Robbins, I think was a director on that. And um, I don't think he was an actor in there. But anyway, or maybe he was. But anyway, he was on set. So he got to meet him. But it was the same rule. Like he couldn't talk, you know, none of those guys could just go up to him, talk to him and stuff. And uh, so he, you know, Caleb went out to smoke a cigarette. Tim Robbins came out there and saw him and, and started up a conversation with him. You know, he was like, man, that's pretty cool, you know. Got to meet some cool people. I feel like if I would have done it all the time like they did, I would have met a lot more people. Yeah. The, the guy who plays Father Gabriel actually um, really likes being around the background people. So he would come talk to everybody, and he actually came and hung out at the rap party for the end of the show back in April with everybody just to shake hands and take pictures and everything. And, of course, my sister's like, this is no big deal. I hung out with him the other night and played Guitar Hero or something like that or went to karaoke <laughs> with him. <laughs> I'm like, ah. you know, jealousy oh, at that funny. point. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's hilarious. Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. So you've had a Sorry. broad background. You have um, – so you've been playing Airsoft for a very long time. Yes. Uh, I mean, it's very long – you know, I mean, I've only just started our YouTube channel just three years ago, and that's my experience. And then um, you uh, – I saw one of your posts. You had a notebook like three sheets of notebook paper with the name of each gun, like almost a hundred guns listed on three different pieces of notebook paper that you hand wrote out. And I guess somebody, uh, the way you said in the post was somebody asked you, uh, what, <laughs> how many airsoft guns have you ever owned? Right. And you wrote them all out and it was what, how many? So now there's a couple gotta, of them that I have. Yeah, because that down. was back in June. Do you mind if we I got, put the picture up? Yeah, go for it. Um, okay. So now I think there's like three of them that I haven't put on there yet because at high ground we actually got two of the M4s for being in the first 50, and then the micro gun was a uh, prize from the Golden. So yeah, it's. It's 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 a lot, so it's somewhere <laughs> around 105 or something like that now. Yeah, because I think in in the post it was at uh, 97. Yes. So yeah, it's I. And that was back in June. Yes, I've played the box of awesomeness a couple times since then, just to you know kind of buy sell trade with that stuff and. Yeah. So at, guns that I've actually played on field with is a lot less than that. I did sure. a boatload of buy, sell, trade back around uh, 2018, 2019. Yeah. And I was making I was making really good money uh, just buying out people's collections that were getting out of 
of the sport. Oh, okay. You know, and you get the collection, and you sell back for what you uh, paid for it. And then there's a lot of stuff that I just kept. You know, I kept the, I kept a Glock, and I kept a like a plate carrier and a bunch of other different things. Just you know, and it was at that point, you know, it's free. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. You make back with. But you paid and you profit a little bit and then stuff after the fact. Yeah, no shit. So well, eBay, hop up, I was just like so everything on my everything on my wall back then, like what's behind me now probably in value rivals what I had back then a little bit just because a lot of it's HPA. But back then I had so many cool pieces. And I'd gotten them for next to nothing compared to what they were worth, and they were all absolutely awesome pieces. You know, Avalons and VFC Mark 18s are hard to find. <laughs> and um, I had a guy at my work come to me one day, and he said, "Hey, I've got some stuff from years ago that me and my brothers uh, played airsoft with." He said, "Do you want to take a look at it?" And I was like, sure, why not? You know, he said it's been in storage for years. I'm thinking cheap stuff, spring guns, whatever. And he's like, no, there's some electric stuff. And I was like, okay, cool. Let just bring it up here. Let me see it. This man brings out a G&G UMP45, an oh, Echo shit. 1 Scar H, a G&G Top Tech M16, and two early, early KWA 1911s. And I was like, this is ridiculously cool. <laughs> like, oh I expected God. nothing like this. Right. Those guns were incredible. And I think all of them, I mean, the 1911s are still being made. They were just later models. But all, all, all the rest of that stuff, I think, had been discontinued by that point. So it was just, oh and it was all frozen in time, you know, from 2012. It had all just been packed away back in the boxes. Oh, that's crazy. And I bought it yeah. off of him for pretty cheap. He's like, he's like, yeah, he's like, I don't need to like, you know, make bucks off of it or anything. He's like, I'll just take whatever you can give me. So, yeah. But my best hands down purchase is a guy. I had guys up there that I played alongside. So a lot of us were the ones that were buying and selling and trading amongst each other. Yeah. So I had a guy. He comes to me and he says, hey, I have a Tokyo Marui. AA-12, which is the three-barrel electric shotgun. Oh, shit. Like a $500 gun. They're ridiculously yeah. rare to find here. And he said, I'll sell it to you. He's, I think it was functioning weird, but it was functioning. So I'll sell it to you for like 150 bucks or something like that. I was like, cool, I'll take it. Yeah. Well, he went to go test it after that, and it was not working. So he said, well, it's a paperweight. 50 bucks and it's yours. I said, even better, I'll take it. Oh, shit. And... Somehow I find a YouTube video on how to take this thing apart. It is the weirdest gearbox I've ever seen in my life. No shit. Take it all the way down, and it's like, it's a plastic piston, so it's got the normal teeth like an AEG, but then it splits right. off into three heads for the for the piston heads for each barrel. Oh my god. And it's got something, some type of material wrapped around the end of it. I was like, oh, that's not supposed to be there. Took it out, put everything back together. And it was the first time I ever took an AEG apart, and it worked again afterwards. Holy shit, dude. Good and on that, you, man. That thing was an absolute beast. I have to say the only thing with more barrels that I've owned now is that, that micro gun right there. Uh, dude, which, I, I was getting to that because that's, that's something I want. 
I never would have bought one because it's 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 kind of impractical. But when right. that thing's like a thousand dollar gun, and I pulled, it was it was incredibly exciting because I actually I bought four of the sacks from Evite for the uh, for the opening. So you buy these ahead of time, you get them. You one of them was for forty dollars for and included the play ticket for the day, and then the rest were fifteen. And I got them for the guys. And I actually pulled out of my out of mine with the playing t- ticket in it. I pulled that micro gun, and then I pulled another golden ticket out of another one. <laughs> oh my god! Which it was just for cheap spring startup set, but I mean it was right. still cool. Everybody I walked up to, they're like, "Holy crap, you got two of them!" <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yes. I mean, I yeah, went there. Awesome. My selling point to go was the cash cards, the playing cards that Evike mm-hmm. puts in all the stuff and all their uh, packages that they send you. Yeah, and I was actually I actually have most of them, and the way that they do their events, three days, three four days beforehand, they put out here's the poker hands that you can have, and here's what you win for them. You know, first come first serve. There's a handful of each, and I read up on every single event they've done like that, just about, and it's always been the Royal Flush is a huge prize. And they rank it by the uh, the hands on a poker table. So spades is the highest, mm-hmm. and then so on down from there. And I have the Royal Flush and spades. The ace of spades is so hard to find, it's not even funny. And a guy who's a distributor sold a bunch of them to me for next to nothing, so I took it when I saw oh, that in there. So I said, I want to go win one of these contests. And that was – I was still waffling on that 12 hours, and that was what pushed me over. I said, the odds of somebody else being here with this are slim to none. Yeah. Now, now when I got there and showed the hand and all that, I actually have two, two of the flushes, clubs and spades. They called everybody back up to the stage, and that's where my ultimate frustration was with that event. Was they actually called everybody up on the stage and had everybody draw high card instead of checking the suits and all that. So I was right. I was the only one there with spades, but they changed for that specific event. They changed how they were doing it. So. I didn't win that, but it was oh still, God. I mean, they're just like, you have two gold tickets, you have two royal flushes. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, bro, what what is this, a setup? Yeah, I was. I, I said, I came out here to win. I mean, right? I, I came out, I mean, I drove 12 hours. I want to play this field, and I want to win free stuff. That's what I came for. Yeah. I dude. mean, I... I grew up a NASCAR fan, and there's one thing a NASCAR fan loves, and it's free stuff. You go to the track, you want the free stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I saw a bunch of uh, NASCAR pictures on your Instagram as well. Yeah, I I grew up on it. My granddad was – he worked for the pit crews, and oh, sure. okay. he was a medic for uh, – him and my Nana were actually medics for Richard Petty's crew at one point, which was really exciting. Oh, that's I mean, cool. He did debris spotting. He did all kinds of odd jobs. But the funniest thing about my granddad is this was, you know, years and years ago. He would carry a camera around with him, and back then that wasn't common. Right. So everybody who he came in contact with thought he was press. So this man went all kinds of places that he was never oh, supposed to go. And <laughs> that's awesome. He's he's published, and I feel like a lot of those that he got published were places that he wasn't supposed to be. No shit. My favorite picture of him is he's standing somewhere at one of the tracks, 
and the sign in front of him on the fence says official photographers only. And of course he's not supposed to be there. (laughs) He was, Uh, he was a hero. He was a hero to me. He was, he was a good man. And he's, uh, COVID got him before we knew what COVID was. It was like a month beforehand. But, uh, I, his spirit lives on because, uh, I, probably four or five different times have snuck into the garage at Atlanta, which is something that he would have done. Oh man, that's crazy. So have you, uh, do you have a favorite driver? I do. I like, I I like two drivers, um, in the spirit of my father and my grandfather, because they, uh, racing was our thing and they both passed. Um, I like my dad's favorite driver, old favorite driver, Kyle Larson. Um, He's also got the team from my old favorite driver, Jimmy Johnson, after he retired. So that's his whole race team. And then Chase Elliott was my granddad's favorite and my dad's favorite later on. So I like both of them. Okay. Really good drivers. Yeah. I saw uh, you had the infamous number three on one of your posts. And then uh, Jeff Gordon's car, like a drawing. I wonder, did you draw that? I do draw some. Um, okay. I don't – with everything that I do, I don't have near the time for it. But as a child, I drew a lot of racing stuff. I did my own designs. Actually, funny thing to that, I in 2007, I did a bunch of original hand-drawn designs. And one of them was Jimmy Johnson's 48 car. And my original design, I don't know when, I think I sent it to his uh, his uh, fan magazine because I had drawing contests. Yeah. That thing showed up in 2010 on the side of the race car with very minimal changes. And I was like, yeah, I'm never going to get that one back. <laughs> oh, my God. That's wild, bro. It was the cool. It was the coolest, uh, you know, unofficial thing that I've ever seen. And my, my dad, it was before the season started and my dad said look at jimmy johnson's new car and you i was upstairs and digging through the drawers of my bedroom in an instant trying to find that (laughs) drawing i was like you mean this one oh shit dude that's crazy so i'm gonna get him to sign it one day that's that's a dream of mine i just gotta get to one of the tracks where he's at but he's he's an indie now and he signs everything so it shouldn't be a problem but i'd love to get the chance to tell him the story and be like hey you know this is wild that would be cool man yeah for sure but yeah that's that's funny earlier that you said uh that you said talking about uh you know doing all kinds of things you know back before i started the aircraft mechanicing thing I was in school at that point, so people would ask me, what do you do? And I'd turn around, I'd be like, what don't I do? I was, at that point in time, I was working on radios in the Army, studying IT, working on cars full-time. I was dabbling in acting. Um, I was doing some sports writing for my buddy for his, uh, like, kind of like blogging weekly for his uh, uh, NASCAR uh, website. Oh shit! It's like I do everything. <laughs> that is cool, man. And then yeah. airsoft was the hobby, and it was just, you know, all you know, the more the merrier. I was learning all kinds of things, doing all kinds of things. Yeah, dude, that that's uh, 
it's cool though. It's a, uh, you know, having a broad background like that is, um, it's a good experience. You know, you're, I, I, I remember reading a book years and years ago about, you know, how this, this I, I, it was a business book, but people were always like, oh, you want to live long, right? Like you want to live till you're a hundred or whatever, you know, I want to live a long, healthy life. <clears throat> and he was like, it's not how long you live. It's how broad your life is, you know? Oh, and, yeah. uh, yeah. So like how much stuff can you pack into your life? Cause you don't know when you're going to go, you know? And, oh, for um, sure. Yeah. So how many, you know, people's lives can you change or, you know, impact, uh, you know, or they can impact yours, you know, that's usually what happens. And, um, that, yeah. that, and that's actually, one of my favorite things. So my dad taught me a lot about that. My dad was actually, he was always frustrated because his parents, they only lived in their early to mid sixties. I think mm. he was always so mad that they, you know, got taken from him so young and didn't get to see, you know, his children and all that. Right. And, uh, the irony of it all is, is he passed at 56. Oh, shit. so, that's that, man. Yeah. That's my thing is for one, like you said, you don't know how long you have. Yep. And the second thing to that is is after his passing, we spoke to so many people that he worked with and he was an incredible impact to everybody. I mean, listening to them talk when they had a rough day or um just making everybody laugh, helping people with stuff that they didn't know how to do that he did. And mm -hmm. he actually took some dude that got injured. They had him, they had him ambulance to the hospital, but he couldn't get home. He actually had my mom bring the van up to work, which had one of those seats that drops down to the ground, like the handicap seats. Yeah. And he took this dude home all the way home from work. And he's like, he's like, dude, don't worry about it. You know, I got your back. So, I mean, that's that's wow. the kind of thing that I like to try to channel into people, you know. I try to not be you know, not get mad about so many things because life's short and I think my greatest grounds that I've been able to do that with is through Airsoft because mm -hmm. my ultimate favorite thing is like you know, not even always kids, but to me it always makes me smile when it's kids and they walk up to you and like whoa what is that thing that you've got you know or how long have you been playing or look at your kit and all that or they ask you questions you know like how do you get over being afraid of being hit or how do you get better at this and you know how do you get to where you can be on youtube or have all these yeah. followers on instagram or whatever i love that because i can just sit there and go on and on with people because i want to make a positive impact you know and right i mean that goes along with the cap the whole captain america thing you know i don't like I don't like people kicking people around and I want to make a positive impact on people the best I can. And Instagram's definitely a good platform for that for the most part to where, you know, you got people and Honey Badger's a lot better at it than I am. I mean, he interacts <laughs> with so many people. It's incredible. Like he I does, just talked, I talked to this, um, this, uh, girl in the in the UK we were talking about, cause I'm dying to go play over there at that field that they play at. Uh, okay. in England because uh, it's called Dirty Dogs. So Dirty many Dog. people that I know yeah. of play there. Yep. 
and it's like they're all friendly and they all get along and it's it looks like a big family and i said i just just once i want to go over there and play you know yeah and she goes we were talking about she shared something that uh, unicorn leah posted and I was like, oh, yeah, I was there at that event. And she goes, oh, so was Honey Badger. He seems like uh, he seems like he talks about you a lot. He seems like y'all, uh, you know, he, he really likes you. He talks about you and all that. I was yeah. like, man, I, I love to hear that from people. You know, there's there's people all over that I actually have regular conversations with and am able to share, you know, different aspects of things with. You know, you get a feel for what the sport is in other areas, you know, like England and – it's just – it's a real blessing when people out there, like Honey Badger, and I'm trying to be better at it, you know, just get along with everybody and just try to, you know, pour positivity into people. It's – you know, even if you don't get to play all the time, you know, you can give your insight to things. You know, you can hype people up on social media, you know, because I remember when I was trying to, you know, scrub for every follower I could get, you know – because I mean, who doesn't you know who doesn't yeah. want to be well known in their hobby? Airsoft's sure. definitely one of those. You know, mad respect to uh, Jet Desert Fox. You know, I met him uh, last weekend, and oh, nice. I celebrities aren't a big deal to me uh, most of the time. You know, especially like you know acting celebrities and all that, and a lot of sports right. people. You know, they seem like they just get a big head about themselves. But, and I hadn't thought anything about the people that were going to be there. You know, I'd heard of them, but when I was standing in the line waiting for high ground to open, there was a guy behind me with his son and he said they went out uh, to California to play and jet actually, they said that they were going to a different field the next day yeah, or, or later that day. And jet actually, he's like, they met jet and he's like, yeah, I'm going to go out there and play alongside y'all. And uh, he had to go home and get some stuff done or whatever, and something came up. So Jet actually called the field and sent his regards to, to them specifically and all that. Oh, wow. And uh, he just kept telling stories about how great he was. I, I want to meet this dude now because he sounds like he's yeah absolutely awesome. And I actually got to speak with him, got a picture with him and all that. And I was like, hey, I want to play alongside you if you're going to get back on the field after the Q&A. And he's like, yeah. And – some ridiculous issues with their chrono actually kept me from getting back on the field, even with an HPA rig. And I've, I've emailed them about that. It was a fiasco, but um, thankfully, you know, uh, he was really cool about it. He's like, yeah, they, they changed it on us this morning. We had to tech on our guns to fix everything too. And it's not really oh, fair. He said, but you know, I'm, he said, we can meet up at another event. And he actually commented when I shared the photo uh, of the two of us the other day. He's like, he's like, yeah, I look forward to playing alongside you one day. So, I mean, that means a lot that somebody that's, you know, that that big, you know, that has that many, that many followers. And, I mean, he's got to be busy all the time. Just takes time to, you know, say something to somebody right. like that. That's, uh, so that's it's just, what I've noticed is, uh, especially in Airsoft, I guess maybe I'm – a little, you know, I don't know other venues. Um, I know the shooting community, you know, the real steel community. I follow yeah. a lot of them as well, um, which I know a lot of airsofters do. <clears throat> but uh, the airsoft community is uh, is just like that, man. C7 Viper, you know, people that have started from nothing, you know, anyone that started a YouTube channel, if they didn't have a prior background 
in, you know, where, where they were famous in something else. Uh, and they started at zero, like everyone does, uh, and started, you know, well, Instagram as well, and started building that. Uh, and then they're very, very popular, you know, um, like those guys you're talking about, C7 Viper, Airsoft Alphonse, Novrich, uh, Swamp Sniper. Everyone I've seen, you know, through their videos and through uh, seeing like comments and interactions with other people, they're all just like what you said. They're all very, very welcoming and they're kind, you know, and honorable and respectful. So, you know, an airsoft is a game of honor. And, uh, and that's, I, I think a lot of that spills over into, um, or I think really they're just like that. And that's why, you know, one of the reasons they're attracted to airsoft uh, is because other people are like that as well that are in airsoft, you know what I mean? So they're, they're, uh, and, and getting, you know, 500,000, uh, subscribers on YouTube doesn't make them, um, an asshole, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. And, you know, speaking of that, uh, you know, you're a veteran, um, this, the, this whole sport, uh, I am just recently honestly, in the last eight months, six months, finding out how important it is to a lot of veterans with PTSD, they use airsoft as kind of like a therapy. Like it's the best thing. They didn't choose that as a therapy. They just, uh, they had to go, you know, some of the guys I've talked with that have been in combat and stuff, they've had to go through this counseling and, you know, they were forced to like in the military. And then, they didn't, it didn't really, like, it kind of made it worse, you know, uh, it didn't really help them the way it, you know, it was supposed to not, not anyone's fault or nothing, you know, not the military's program fault or whatever. Uh, just, they found this home in airsoft where they get the camaraderie back that they had in the military. They get the teams, they get, uh, you know, now they got hangout buddies, you know, now they got people that they're close with, uh, off the field as well. And like I said, all these people, you know, majority of people in airsoft are respectful, honorable, uh, kind, you know, helpful. And, uh, man, what a great combination of things, uh, when you are trying to work through some mental issues, you know, and emotional issues. I think something else that plays in there, especially, see, I've never seen any type of combat. Um, I've, I've actually, I actually never deployed um, mad respect for everybody who did. Yeah, I didn't Because, uh, you know, I worked, I worked for a special unit, so it was going to be really, something really interesting here, chemical, biological, nuclear, something like that, if we got sent, but. Um, oh, you were on I have the a really NBC? Respect for those guys. What's that? On M- you were on the chemical warfare team. Yeah, we were uh, we were a battalion level uh, chemical unit, and most of the time I was there, we had a mission for in country response to incidents or attacks. Okay, that's what we trained for. Um, I did we were, uh, when I was in Japan. I did the same. I was on the same team. Okay, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a it was an exciting thing and to be the like the brains the brain unit of 
everybody that we were supporting underneath us. It was like more of an attachment to FEMA um, in a response, but we were supporting, you know, medics, decontamination, um, search and rescue, engineers, all that cool stuff. And it was something incredible to see, you know, just how everybody jumps in, does their job, and just runs, even just during a two-week time, runs everything the way it needs to be run to where if something really did happen here, God forbid, you know, we know we're getting taken care of. But um, as you were saying about uh, about combat, um, I think something... Another way I see that is I know just in general, veterans coming off of active duty, you know, they have a hard transition. But I feel like if that's something that you're accustomed to, the combat side, you're going to want something that you can transition into, you know, because obviously, you know, you can't just, you know, go back to being in, in combat if you're out. <laughs> right. Um, but that gives you... That gives you that outlet and that gives you a place to, you know, keep honing your skills. You know, some people do the real serious milsims where it's extremely tactical like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a great thing for for people who come out of the military to be able to and, you know, people still in to be able to, you know, do some of the stuff that they did while they were in on a level where they're not risking their life anymore and. I, I have a lot of respect for those guys that are able to come to terms with the things that they saw over there and be able to be able to channel that in because like you said, counseling is not for everybody. I mean, my experience with military counseling was bad. <laughs> um, yeah, it's I'm, such a large machine. You know, it's like this giant ship. It's very hard to, uh, you know, make a quick turn. So yeah. they're still using, you know, very antiquated, like, oh, yeah. you know, techniques that have not, that, that it's still, they, that still don't work. You know, they didn't work back in the fifties. They still don't work now. And, every, um, yeah. It, everything in the military is antiquated. Um, <laughs> no I, shit. they taught us in my radio training, they taught us a little bit of computer stuff because we're supposed to be, the 25 uniform was my code, which is signal support systems. So we're supposed to be radio techs, but they call it 25 universals. So we're supposed to know both sides of it. And uh, they taught us how to um, re-image a uh, Windows XP computer. And mind you, this was 2014. <laughs> I'm like, nobody uses this anymore. And then oh when I got out God. and got into things, I was like, oh, no, we do still use this. And oh just... Everything. I mean, the Humvees from the '80s, the M16A2s. I was just like, "Oh, oh no!" Hey now, is, hey now, this is old M16A2s, bro. <laughs> That's what I trained on. Those are uh, those are the shit for us, you know. <laughs> yeah, they. I mean, they keep kicking, but I, I just they. We had the A4s in basic, and I was just like, "Yeah." We went back to the. But I mean, when you're a battalion level chemical unit, that's the kind of stuff that you get. I mean, oh, I was surprised funny. that we had a Mark 19. That was that was the coolest thing for me. Oh, we didn't get shit. to fire it, but that was cool. I was like, I okay, well, we have that. one. You did? Can you believe? Can you believe uh, that came out? I'm not sure when it was actually released, but as far as the you know, for large troops like our, you know, like ours, because we got to fire it when I was at uh, MCT. So for the Marine Corps, you go, uh, and I think it's still the same, but. Um, 
you go to three months of boot camp and then uh, you're done with boot camp and then you go to MCT. So boot camp, and a lot of people don't know this about the Marines, we actually get less tactical training and hands-on, you know, uh, well, we get a lot of hand, we get 30 days uh, in boot camp with our rifle, but, uh, and snapping in and, you know, firing downrange, uh, target shooting. So uh, we do that, but as far as tactics, you know, maneuvers and tactics, Marines get less time with that than like the Army or, I'm not sure about the Navy and Air Force, but definitely less than the Army in boot camp. But then we yeah. have, 30 days uh, Marine combat training, MCT, that's after boot camp. So we go boot camp, then you graduate, and then you're, you know, you go on leave for seven to 10 days, and then you report to, uh, well, when I was in, it was, uh, I think it's still over here, Camp Geiger, California, or, uh, North Carolina, uh, which is on Lejeune. We go there for 30 days. So while we were there, we got to use the Mark 19. And this thing was fucking awesome. That and the 50 cal, the you know the M2, the Deuce, were everyone's favorite thing to shoot. And this Mark 19, we called the Thumper. And I was actually really surprised for you know all these platoons coming through. And this thing was a new, you know, they were talking about it. This is 1990, so I graduated boot camp January 5th of 1990, and uh, so I was at MCT you know, the last part of January and part of February. And uh, we got to fire this thing. They were talking like it had just come out, you know, like it was a new weapon. And we couldn't, it blew our minds that there was a belt-fed, you know, chain-fed uh, grenade launcher. Like, what? You know, this is crazy. And we called it Thumper, you know, this thing is just lobbing these things. We got to shoot the uh, HE grenades on this field, you know, it's, it, the thing launches fucking far as shit, but, uh, there's this old beat up Humvee out there and an old, uh, the old World War II army Jeep, you know, those old green ones you see in the old movies that was out there. You couldn't tell what the hell it was because the tires are blowing off the fuck, you know, the things all, you know, tore up, but, um, it was really fun to shoot. So definitely. I'm so jealous that as a, <laughs> the, we, we lightly, because I was support, I, I went through bending for basic, which is where the infantry goes. But because I was support, it was, it was light with everything yeah. that we did. I mean, we got to fire a little bit of the machine guns, the, the underbarrel grenade launchers were paint rounds, I think. Oh, okay. I um, mean, everything was just to check a box, it seemed. So it was a little bit cheesy in some ways, but I mean, I got to throw a couple hand grenades. I got to fire some bell fed machine guns. So it was fun, yeah. but I got to lay hands on the deuce later. We were running a gunnery because we weren't doing any chemical related stuff that year. So we ran a gunnery and I said, I don't care which we were supporting it. So we were, we weren't doing it. I said, I don't care what you guys have to do. I said, put me out there on the gun. I want to shoot it. <laughs> and I was actually, Whatever the qualification was, I think I hit. I think I hit eight out of eleven, and seven out of eleven targets was the nice. was the qualification. Yeah. So they were like, "Wow, you know, you weren't even supposed to be out here, and you're one of the only like couple that qualified on it." <laughs> I was like, "Cool, oh, I couldn't cool. see the far targets." <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, man! 
Because I think the farthest target on that course is 0.93 of a mile, and I'm like, I I can't even see it, but I'll try. Yeah, right? Yeah, that little speck out there. Go ahead. Shoot. That little teeny tiny white thing. I'm like, you guys think my eyesight's a lot better than it is. (laughs) Oh, man, that's funny. Well, speaking of that, and I'm not trying to get off, you know, change the topic, but I'm I'm sitting here. I keep looking at your Instagram page uh, that I have pulled up, and I saw one of your short videos you posted on there. You actually are shooting through a scope with a sniper. I don't know which gun it is, uh, you know, an airsoft gun, at a light bulb. And this thing's yes. tiny. Um, and you broke the light bulb. Yeah. I don't think uh, – I think there was one other picture of the broken light bulb, but I guess uh, – I think that's where I found your buddy Jason. Or no, was it Jason that was supposed to be filming and he didn't film it? Yeah. We we had so many tries at that, and then he turned around to answer a text message or something. I'm like, "Yep, I shot it out." And he's like, "What?" Oh, it's uh, it's actually I'm trying to point at it. I'm, I got a really yeah. tiny screen. It's that top one up there. Uh, okay. E- EMG made it. It's uh, they call it the Barrett Fieldcraft. Yeah, that's it. And it is a absolute beast out of the box. It's on point twos. It's mid to upper 500 FPS. Oh my god, that's awesome. And it is the it basically, if you want to buy a rifle and you don't know anything about doing bolt rifles and you don't want to upgrade everything, it's got a zero trigger in it. It's got a beefy spring. It's got a really cool fluted bolt, and it is an absolute beast. And that's what I was making those shots with. And that that big scope on there, which is how I saw mm-hmm. it that far out, is yeah. uh, actually they Evike sells it with with it. I bought mine from Airsoft Junkies, which is my favorite yeah. store. They're actually here. I've known those guys since 2012, 2013. Sam, the guy that runs the place. Okay. They're incredible techs, especially with HPA. They know all kinds of stuff. And I was waiting so long for that to get restocked in that color. And they told me, you know, oh, it's going to be September or something like that. And I happened to come across junkies. They said, oh, yeah, we got one here in stock. So I drove through the mad, crazy Atlanta traffic to go up there and get it. <laughs> and that thing has been nothing but impressive. I mean, it makes – I I haven't chronoed it, but it makes stupid, crazy shots on .4 BBs. Oh, wow. So that's about all I use. And, I mean, you can upgrade it further if you want to. You can throw a beefier spring in and it'll take it. <laughs> so oh, my God. I don't, I don't know how far I want to go with it, but – Actually, so the light bulb shot wasn't even the craziest. The broken light bulb shot was not even the yeah. craziest shot. I've actually done that twice. Um, but it's uh, it's like 75, 80 feet out, and it's actually down and to the right. Well, I put a plastic light bulb in there later on. I didn't know if I'd break it or not. Um, yeah. One of those LED ones. Right. So I had hit it a couple times. I'm out here doing this by myself. It was my first test with all three cameras running so i have my normally on the field i have it on my helmet and then i have for the sniper i have the one facing back at me on the bolt side which is actually mounted up there right now yeah and uh the other one oh the scope cam so the scope cam sits up on top right and i actually had the camera that was on my helmet down there where you can't see it it's covered up with leaves on the front side right on the target so i shoot this thing and it was one of the last shots i took at it i shoot it you know 75 80 feet out 
I'm shooting way down into the right at a light bulb, a curved object, and I sent the round back and almost hit myself with it. Holy so to me, shit. that's even cooler than you know it breaking a light bulb because that thing took a one in a trillion trajectory back and hit the house back over my shoulder. Oh <laughs> like, my god! No way. Like it had to hit this perfectly, you know, the the perfect spot to come straight back. Yes, it was incredible. I was like, what was that? <laughs> and not only that, but it had to be traveling fast enough to oh, yeah. stop and bounce back off of this object and fly all the way back. Of course, the uh, the plastic part could have, uh, you know, flexed and kind of acted like a, you know, trampoline to it, I guess. But uh, still, that thing. It was, it, it was cool. That's cool. Yeah, that is very cool. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. <laughs> I haven't made any super cool shots with it on field yet. I've had real limited time with it so far. Yeah. I play a lot with the the 417 that's underneath it. That, that looks I mean, badass, bro. That thing is incredible. I put a Wolverine Reaper in it, which is ideal for the 417 if you don't want to buy the extra stuff that Polar Star sells, trigger boards and all that. So uh, the, explain. I don't know what a Reaper is. The Reaper is electromechanical, so the only thing you're powering with a battery is the solenoid. So you wire the solenoid straight to the trigger contacts. So on the 417, the trigger box is external to the gearbox. So that's absolutely perfect for the 417. So all I had to do was drill a little extra hole, run the wires out to the trigger contacts. So now it uh, the battery applies power to that solenoid. So now, just like with the AEG, every time the trigger puts the trigger shuttle into the trigger contacts, it mm -hmm. fires. And so it's a mechanical it, trigger. So it yes. feels like a real real steel gun, pretty much. And then, yeah. And it is blasphemously quiet with no assistance. Yeah. I did not have to put a foam suppressor on it or anything. It is so quiet. Like, I can sit, you know, I can sit 50, 60 feet out from people on the field. And until they can actually see me, they don't know where I'm shooting them from. That's awesome. And it's semi-only, but it allows for some really fast trigger response, and that's just easily my favorite gun. I think that uh, I've this ever is owned. the same. I think this is the same setup that uh, one of the guys, one of the viewers from our channel. We've ha he's actually been in a couple videos of ours. He's local to us. He lives, you know, twenty thirty minutes away. And uh, Todd, he's been on a couple of videos. Well, he, the first video he did with us was he built a Kythera build or whatever, and it had a mechanical trigger in there as well. It was semi-only. Yep. Yeah, it was semi-only. And um, so, but it, it felt really good, and it was super quiet, like what you're saying. So I'm not sure what, you know, what setup he had in there. What He has a whole list. Uh, he actually, on the video, he went through... Uh, he had a whole sheet of paper written, written out, you know, number one, number two, all these parts listed out so that if somebody wanted to build that, you know, they could. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm new. I could never tack on electric guns. I could put all the parts back in exactly the right place and they wouldn't work right. So I <laughs> got frustrated with that. I always had somebody that would do it for me. But HPA... Not only does it concerned that you're working on aircraft now. Come on. Well, it's it's the teeny teeny tiny little parts, and I think the yeah. shimming is what what always got me. Now with VFC, they have gotcha. their self shimming gears, and that makes it a lot easier. But to me, you take um, 
you take this engine and you're able to drop it into the existing gearbox. And then from that point, basically all you're upgrading is the hop up and the inner barrel. So you can take it, you can flat hop it, R hop it, whatever, on a tight bore barrel and make it shoot lasers, you know, across the map. And it's it's like having a cheat code. And I mean, you can dial it to whatever you want to dial it to for the field limits, for whatever BB. You know, I've got a chrono, so I can take on new BB weights and dial the regulator to whatever meets my field limits. Right. And to me, for a designated marksman rifle, HPA is the only way to go. And I play mostly outdoor, so that's what... You know, I've got the SCAR up there. I've got the 417. I've actually got a Masada that I'm building. I haven't done it yet, but that's the Kythera, That's going to be the Kythera build. But all those are going to be, you know, the semi-only. I like semi-only stuff. I don't care for full auto. Yeah. Um, even my even my M27 that's got an Inferno in it is programmed to semi-only right now because I just I don't I don't like full auto. I don't play full auto matches. It's just it's gotten bad with the HPA stuff. Yeah. But. To me, I want to be able to walk up and, you know, I can pull the trigger as many times as I can, you know, on a normal trigger pull. And to me, that's enough. You know, if you're not hitting somebody at that point, it's rough. Yeah, right. To me, that's the only way to build a DMR because with an AEG, you have to upgrade so many different parts. You have to do, you know, the angle of engagement on the piston to make sure it doesn't shred itself apart. Heavier springs put tension on everything. Then you got to worry about the cylinder to inner barrel ratio to where you stop, you start losing velocity at some point. With the air, you don't have to worry about that. You know, the longer yeah. barrel, the better at that point. It's like, you know, it's like certain aspects are like a firearm. You know, you can, you know, the longer barrel, the better. And uh, you can actually. You know, all the noise comes out of the barrel, so you can actually silence. You know, you can actually silence it with the foam suppressors, to where, you know, you can sneak up on people with your HPA gun, and nobody's going to hear it coming. Right. So yeah, a- good, HPA luck, good luck with the AG doing that. <laughs> oh yeah, because it's all in the body. Now, I, my caveat to that that I found out recently is Redline is different with their Milsim engine. It's entirely pneumatic, hmm. and the the nozzle has to reset after every trigger pull. So when you pull the trigger, it's silenced. When the nozzle resets, it's really loud because it comes through the side of the gun. And I was like, well, oh. this is kind of disappointing. But yeah, I love their products, though. Uh, I have in my guns right now, I have three of the N7 Milsim pneumatic engines. I have one of the Redline FCU engines and a 416. I have... A Wolverine Inferno, which allow it's got a Bluetooth controller in it, so I can actually take a cell phone and change the dwell and the rate of fire and um, how many rounds I want to fire per shot and all that. And then, what else do I have? I have the Kythera that I haven't put in yet, and then I have the Reaper that's in that other one. So I've got a... That's my the Kythera is my first Polar Star product. I'm excited to see what it does, but most of their stuff is just too expensive for my liking. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, man. When now, I can buy two of the pneumatics for the same price as one of their electronic engines, and I don't even want full auto, it's a no-brainer to me. Oh, right. That makes sense. Now this. Uh, so, why did you get the uh, micro gun? 
you told me you found it fairly cheap, right? No, no, no. So the microgun, they, um, Evike had these, uh, for the event, they had these goodie bags. Oh, for the event, uh, that's right. You got it from these that. Stack. And they had golden okay. tickets, you know, like Charlie and the Charlie that's and the Chocolate right. Factory. They just yes. stuffed them in all the sacks. That's right. Well, that was the first thing I noticed when your screen came up when we first started talking and I saw it there because I want one. And um, so, because I eventually, when I play, when I go to play my first game, maybe not the first game, it doesn't have to be, but uh, I do, at some point, I want to do the juggernaut roll. I want to gear yes. up with everything and I want one of those. And... Um, I just, you know, just full on, you know, just a micro gun, blah, just, you know, A-10 Warthog, everybody, okay? Yep. <laughs> so I've, I've actually learned a few things about them since I got this the other day. Okay. Um, one, one I was told by somebody else, because I was like, you know, oh, it's the electric one and not the HPA one. I would have rather, you know, the HPA one. Somebody told me that they're running out of air before they run out of BBs, so that's probably not a good uh, route to go. Right. Um. This one holds 2,000 to 2,200 BBs. They load into a hopper in between the four barrels. Hmm. Um, it takes standard AEG barrels, and there's individual hop-ups for all of them. I don't know how you dial four barrels in that are firing that Ooh. fast. but Right. Um, the biggest thing I learned, <laughs> and uh, you're going to laugh at me for this, the biggest thing I learned was that when the instructions tell you to do something, you do it. <laughs> so the electric version... We're guys. Had, we don't do that, okay? The instructions go into freaking trash. Everyone listening, don't listen to this dude right now, okay? He already knows because he, know, he didn't follow the instructions because we're used to throwing that shit in the trash. We don't need that shit. We know how to figure it out, bro. <laughs> you know, being it was a $1,000 product, I wanted to be careful. No so shit. In, in There's a tube that the batteries go, and it's a pretty big tube, and it said, okay, it's two T, it, it takes two batteries. Yeah. So it's two T-connector batteries, and you need 11.1 LiPos. Gotcha. And I was like, I read it, and I was intending to do what it said, and in my not thinking, I ended up grabbing one of both of my batteries that were T-connectors. One of them is not an 11.1. And I learned that you have to follow directions because after running all the way through the test, and I have to isolate this on the video and put it on Instagram because everybody needs to see this <laughs> because I have because I got it on video. So right at the end of the test, I started hearing a noise. I was like, eh, it's not right. So I look at the tube and I see smoke. I was like, all right, that's really not good. So I go and spin the back of the tube off really quick and yank the end of the batteries out and right at the time that I yanked them out and they both dropped side by side the 7.4 lipo that I didn't realize that I had was a 7.4 that I grabbed yeah both batteries both parts of the batteries burst into flames holy shit so that is why you follow the directions when you <laughs> have very weird guns you you intent you had good intentions you planned yeah. on following those instructions you just didn't double check what you didn't look yeah. to see what you were putting in there okay i mean i hated that battery anyway but still it was not a good thing <laughs> see subconsciously your inner <laughs> self that's what it was that's what it was okay your inner I, self was like fuck this battery i'm gonna put it in here and blow it up 
I bought that battery for a specific gun, and I will tell anybody watching here and now, there's a very cool-looking gun out there and a very cool concept gun out there, the Ares Scar SC. It's a little baby Scar with the stock that pushes all the way in. It's a PDW. Yeah. And you're, you know, for a couple years, I've been wanting them to build a airsoft version of that gun, and I was not happy that it was Ares because there's not a lot you can do to upgrade them. It's all proprietary. And you gotcha. can't HPA them without specific Polar Star stuff. So mm. I was like, I oh, will give this one a try. You know, I've always wanted it. That gun is an ever-living nightmare out of the box. <laughs> now, I've been having bad luck with stuff from, from Evike lately with flipping it over brand new and not seeing gearbox seal stickers on them, which gotcha. makes you wonder where it's been. Right. But So that was one of those guns. But I was getting every two or three shots or so, I was getting it make a real funky sound in the gearbox and drop them way short or double fire or whatever else. And I'm like, okay, this yeah. needs to go back. And it's also a three piece hop up, which has this very long range of adjustment for the top part to make sure it hits the right spot on the bottom one. Oh wow. And then the battery space is up in the very top right oh. under the rail. And you can actually, it's, it will barely fit a teeny tiny lipo in there. Yeah. You lock the stock back in place, and then you can't adjust the hop up with the battery in because it won't let the rail pull back, or it won't let the bolt pull back for you to see the hop up. So I'm just like, oh lord, I'm sending this back. So I sent it back. Who who designed this? <laughs> I the EMG has some claim to it too, which is Evike's group of manufacturers. So I asked the guy when we were at the table the other day. I said, do you have any problems out of these? And of course he's like, he's like, no, we don't hardly have any of these sent back. And I was like. Okay, oh, then. Oh, come on. <laughs> you, you're paid to say that. I was going to say, okay, uh, you just learned that script this morning on the way here, okay? Because <laughs> they I, knew they were going to get that question. So for anybody who wants to know, I have – so my go-to for starter guns all day long, unquestioned, is GNG. If you want a cheap starter gun, you go get a GNG combat machine. And it will not die. My, I bought mine as a rental gun. It was a yeah. u heavily used rental gun in 2012. It's still going. That's crazy, bro. And then I can also say for GNG's high-end stuff is also legendary. Their top tech line, any of their full metal stuff. I mean, I've got two of the 308s up there on the wall because I'm obsessed with 308 stuff. I'm obsessed with you know unique stuff and just stuff that you don't see every day. Yeah, and so the 308 was a no-brainer for me. I saw Airsoft GI build a uh, short barrel of it, and it was way too expensive for my taste. So I built it. I built my own for two hundred dollars cheaper. Nice. And I that's the bottom one right here, okay. and I've absolutely loved that thing ever since. Yeah. And then the bottom one on this side is another one that I built a shorter barrel of, and I've actually taken them both over to HPA. But out of the box, those things have so many cool features to them. It's like, um, knows when the magazine's empty, it'll send a thing up to, um, to a sensor where it'll stop firing. Um, it knows when the magazine's in, it won't dry fire without the magazine in. It's got the MOSFET in it. You can Damn. make it burst uh, out of the box with the MOSFET. It is right. cool stuff. So G&G... G&G &G always has, you know, a place in my heart. And then 
VFC is my other go-to. VFC makes incredible guns, and I used to be an HK snob, and now I guess I I guess I'm an HK snob again because I have a 416, a 417, an M27. I mean, they make. I mean, out of the box, all those have Avalon gearboxes in them, and I. It makes me cry to gut an Avalon gearbox to put other stuff in it, so I try to get extra gearbox shells if I take it HPA. You can slap an Avalon gearbox in anything that'll hold it, and it makes it incredible Yeah, just from nothing. Hmm. So I have, like, the VFC Virgo, which is... It's basically a 416, the little baby 416 without being a 416, because they don't have the... They don't make those anymore. Huh. It's like the little PDW thing. I've got their, you know, all their HK stuff. I mean, the scar up there, it's all excellent stuff. So anybody That's out there enough. that wants to buy, you know, straight off the shelf, this thing's amazing. It's VFC. If you want to go starter and, you know, never tear it up, it's GNG all day long. Well, I appreciate you saying that because the, uh, you know, and I'm sure you've experienced this with how many years you've been into Airsoft. The most common question we get, like on our Discord and a lot of comments on videos and stuff, are newer players, you know, teen, young teenagers just wanting to get into the sport or, you know, older teenager getting into the sport. Uh, what's a good starter setup? You know, what what's a good starter gun? Um you know, something that, you know, I don't have to spend $500 on. Oh, yeah. That, uh, you know, what what can I start with? So, you know, sh- doing, you know, saying that is, uh, is really helpful because so many people ask. Lancer and Vulcan both have entry-level guns now, too. Right. And I, I've never cared for either one of them just because all they've done is look at what everybody else has made and rip it off. Sometimes that's good, like Vulcan sells cheap short dot sights, which, fun fact, um, I can't see very well out of my right eye, so if I actually want to look down the sights, I have to use my left. So most of the time I'm not using my sights anyway, they're just there to look cool. Right. So, you know, I buy my red dots off of Wish, and if I there's somewhere else that I can get a sight for cheaper than it normally would be, I'll do it. So Vulcan's, you know, Vulcan's a good go-to for stuff like that, because they're going to sell the same product for cheaper but yeah. when when it comes to guns i i i don't mess around with that because you don't know if they rip those off right and you want that to be right <laughs> yeah i hear you well speaking of the uh sites those uh, red dots or little scopes and stuff the um the podcast i did with uh oh they're gonna kill me if they hear this um it was a couple and uh you know boyfriend girlfriend and the guy started, or they both started this uh, website called milsimfinder.com, okay? Yeah. Uh, during that that uh, podcast, he actually talked about kind of the same thing, where uh, he went expensive, you know, if he's going to put money into it, he put it into his gun. The, the scope, he didn't really, you know, it was no big deal. So he actually talked about how, and he showed it on camera. Um, the brand and it's uh, really affordable, like a lot cheaper than most other, you know, red dots and those kind of things. So if you want to check that out, I'll, I'll look through there and see. And uh, if I have a chance this weekend, I'll, I'll see what that was and send okay. it to you. You might've heard about, you know, heard of the brand already. 
Um, I, 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 that's 100% a thing that I'll advocate. And I tell, you know, the guys that I play airsoft with are relatively, are relatively new, you know, they're getting into a lot of their stuff. Yeah. And that's what I tell everybody who asked. I'm like, look, the site, you know, they can get shot out. Yeah. You know, you're not using, you know, you can watch a BB fly. You're not using them most of the time anyway, unless you're sniping, you know, and, you know, don't spend an arm and a leg on it because it's, it's not worth it when you can go put that money into actual, you know, internal upgrades to make your gun shoot farther and all that other stuff or, you know, bigger, better gun. And that's the way I see it. I mean, the, I'm the same way with like, you know, batteries, I don't use a lot of batteries anymore, the HPA stuff, but I mean, batteries, you know, stuff that's basically consumable, I'm like, it is what it is, you know, you get, you you get the cheaper brand, you know, battery is a battery is a battery, you know, as long as it's the shape that you needed and the output that you need, you're good. Right. You know, foregrips are the same way. I, I only use one type of foregrip on every gun because the only one I like, it's the RVG, the Magpul RVG style. But oh, yeah. so many people have those ripped off now. I have yeah. a guy on Hop-Up that I buy some of that stuff from where he's gotten it straight from the distri- straight from the distributors, you know, overseas or whatever. Yeah. And sells them for a lot cheaper. Or Amazon, there's people that do that. Yeah. I will never pay full price for a foregrip, um, right. you know, bipod, sights, anything like that. It's it, there, There's no point to it. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh... One of the guys on our Discord, and actually he's a you know been a follower on our channel for a while, Van Alex. Uh, if you look him up on Instagram, Van Alex Airsoft. Uh, I did a podcast with him a couple of days ago, but I've known him for a couple of years, and you know through our channel. But he does 3D printing. He has I don't know three or four 3D printing machines, and he does the Magpul foregrips identical. You know. Yep. Uh, obviously not, you know, without the marks on it, but the, uh, and it still is just as sturdy or whatever. And he 3d prints them. They're very cheap, uh, to print and they work just as well. See, I don't, I haven't had anybody close to me that's done that, but I'll 100% give, give that caveat to it too. If you can support somebody like that, that's making it, that's a right. hundred times better than, you know, you know, somebody, you know, buying it off the distributor in China or whatever else, you know, if you can support somebody who's making it, that's, that's an incredible thing. And there's, there's guys out there that are incredibly skilled at making, you know, rare parts that you can't find or new and interesting items. Right. It's the, the world is their oyster at that point with some of those 3d printing machines. It's incredible what they can do. Right. I've always wanted to get into that. I've just got my hands in so many. I mean, it's like it's like getting into YouTube. You know, oh. I got my hands in so many things. I got so I was much. I'm gonna ask you footage. about your. Where's your YouTube channel now? Come on, you got. You're jamming on your uh, Instagram, bro. I'm so it's it's been in the works, and it's I got so I what I did is I made the mistake of getting so much video footage at one time. Yeah. And just starting back into editing. I was just like, this is all going to take so much. So I think I edited a little bit of it Yeah. to the point where I didn't have, I edited the, the specific segments that I wanted together, but I didn't put like the little hit marker things and all that in there Right. for my gameplay. I've intended to do reviews. I mean, I have all these guns from box of awesomeness that I just wanted to do reviews on. Right. And yeah, it's 105. Just so much. Okay. 
so much it's 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 daunting to me because not because it's it's difficult but it's because i want to do it right and do it well yeah so i've actually been talking to jason we actually had that conversation we talked for a long time yesterday about him he's studied uh videography at some point okay and i'm like look dude you know you like to make money I'm not near as good at editing these things as you are, you know, let's, let's work together. You know, we both get exposure, the team gets exposure, all that good stuff. And that way, you know, because there's so many people out there that do gameplay footage and all that other stuff that Mm -hmm. you have to stand out and you have to, that's my biggest thing is I want to be good at it and just stepping into it. I mean, I, there's my first edit was, there's a short video that I put up on Instagram of where I killed like 10 people in a row or something like that in an event that I was at. Yeah. And that I, I, from remembering that happening during the day, I was like, okay, that's 100% going to be the very first thing that I lay hands on to edit. But I mean, it still needs work. Um, some of the, like the time that I had little hit markers and all that stuff on the screen was too short and some other stuff. But I mean, it was, it it was fairly decent for stepping into it, but I also want to have like a, um, you know, a run into the video for every video, you know, like an intro or whatever for me, and yeah, some of that stuff's just not as much my my talent. So I'm working with different people on, you know, finding a finding a professional outlet to with my with my friends, you know, support my friends and support their skills. Yeah. Um, my girlfriend, even I've been talking about, you know, I was like, look, if I keep, you know, getting bigger at this, you know, getting a bigger scope of things, I said, I want patches and I said, I can draw, but I said, I want it to be, I said, if you can draw, I want it to be something that you've done, you know, that goes, you know, that comes from both of us and I think she likes it a lot that I get her involved in things because she won't play. <laughs> I keep, I took her to high ground and I was like, look, there's a really cool EMG F1, um, this like Tiffany blue skeletonized M4. I said, I'll buy you that. Let's play, you know? Yeah. She yeah. just, uh, but she's so great. She will go out there and get hit all over taking incredible pictures. All my action photos are hers, uh, that she takes with, um, Oh wow! My granddad's old camera, uh, DLS, yep. uh, one of the DSLR cameras, and she will just get in there and she'll be like, "Yeah, this doesn't hurt. I don't know what you're talking about." And I'm like, "Cool, then suit up and let's play." <laughs> oh shit! That's but she's wild. so supportive. She goes out there and she sits in the heat with all of us and hangs out with all of us and they drives twelve hours to Evite, you know, whatever Dude. because it's she loves seeing me do. That's awesome. You know, something that I like doing, and she right. just supports me and. I'll tell you the biggest thing she did for me was when I was the my first build um, since I've been playing again, which is since April. My first build was the putting the Reaper in that 417. Yeah. And I may be the son of an avionics technician, but and an and a former auto mechanic and a current aircraft mechanic for engines, but I can't solder to save my life. <laughs> and so uh, that's why auto shops always have an electrical guy because soldering sucks. Yeah, so but, uh, it's hard. Yep. So for the 
for the Reaper, you have to solder it to the trigger contacts. I'm like, oh, okay, no big deal, whatever. Yep. That is a teeny tiny piece of metal on yep. that gun, and there's two of them. So I'm sitting over here. I have a piece of cardboard that I've put a push pin through where the little hole is on the trigger contact. Nice. And she's over here with her shaky hands holding the solder out and I in the in the in the wire and I'm trying to sit there with the, oh, she's holding the wire and I'm trying to sit there with the torch and the solder trying to hit it just oh, right and we got God. so frustrated but I was like, Look, we got it done. It was so worth it. I said, Now your hands oh. were on this too. It's great. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, those are uh those are tough, man. Those tiny now I've never soldered one of those, that specific board, but uh when these guys first started playing and I started fixing some of their stuff, I had to solder. I bought all the, you know, I already had a bunch of soldering stuff from uh, maintenance stuff. I, you know, I worked in factories for a lot of years, uh, you know, working on machines, you know, fixing machines. And um, so similar to what you've been doing the last bunch of years, you know, I mean, a machine's a machine, whether it's yeah. a car, an aircraft, or a manufacturing machine, you know, as far as the basics go. Um, you know, so, you know, I've been working on those forever and we had to, uh, well, I would always help the electrical guys with the minor stuff, not, not the, you know, the 240 stuff opening the panels. You, y'all yeah. can have that shit. Okay. I don't want anywhere <laughs> near that stuff. Okay. Uh, uh, I saw somebody get blown up, not blown up, but you know, no, uh, uh electricity like that. I'm a little scared of that. Okay. But uh, I have a healthy respect for that. But the little stuff, you know, the circuit boards, you know, and all the PLCs we were running uh, that control a bunch of stuff, we, that that stuff, you know, I had a little soldering kit. So I used it on these guns. And I'm like, yeah, I can solder this shit. Yeah, right. This, bro, solder something <laughs> this far away from each other when the solder drip is like a fucking, you know, giant. And then it just globs. I'm like, D how do you get it so tiny? I start buying thinner and thinner and thinner, you know, gauges of of uh, solder. And I'm like, dude, I just, uh, I had the little clips. I had, you know, the heat shrink to do the wires and stuff after. Yeah. And make everything look clean. So the, the normal stuff I could do. But um, the ones that were really close... Like the solder runs over to the other connection. I'm like, oh, it's done. <laughs> I just shorted it out. Whatever. And then, and then the ultimate, uh, the ultimate disappointment when you get everything soldered together and realize that you didn't put the heat shrink on before. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh God, I know. I did that in auto so many times. And then, you know, mine was always ugly. It always had so much solder on it. And I'd be like, yep. okay, I'd come home and I'd be like, okay. Yeah, I lived in Tennessee for a while. So I'd come home to Georgia and okay. be like, dad, I need, uh, I need you to um, solder something for me. Cause he had access to all that at work uh, back yeah. when he, his toolbox was there before tool control. Now he could, now he could do it at the house if he wanted to. If gotcha. I mean, well, toward the end, but anyway. Um, and uh, he would, He'd take a couple days and he'd come back and he'd he had the prettiest soldered shrink wrap, all that. I'm like, really? I'm very jealous of this because yeah, well, that's years of experience. Yeah, it was and crazy skill. And mm -hmm. some people, the way that they do it is they find a specific iron that right they've bought two of thirty years ago because they don't make it anymore, and that's the iron. Gotcha. It's the best iron out there. And I'm like, well, yeah. I can't buy that. So now, what am I supposed to do? You know, that's a good point because uh, we went through probably three different ones 
trying to find because I got the little battery powered ones, you know, to see like uh, it, it claimed all this stuff like, you know, it takes two double A batteries. And then I'm like, I don't think it's going to get hot enough, you know, just off of two double A's, but we'll see. And it would for the smaller solder, you know, the real thin yeah. solder. Uh, but it, it wasn't, it still wasn't like hot as fast as I needed it. You know, it just, it still took a little, like it would still stick and it would still, you know, and then, and you're like, oh, it's me. I don't, I'm not doing it right. And then you get a good gun, you know, yeah. a good iron and you're like, oh shit, that's how it's supposed to go. Okay. <laughs> My... <laughs> I I bought something that a lot of the guys had at my shop uh, back when I was uh, living in Tennessee. I bought the torch, the butane torch one that just has the yep. attachments on the end. I've seen so it, that. you put the little you put the little end of the soldering iron type attachment on there. Yep. Now the cool thing about that is you can take it off and do heat shrink with just the open flame. Or right. my personal favorite neat trick here for anybody who wants to know if you get um, oh, I was about to say I have it behind me, but it's laying over there now. If you get the VFC stuff where the uh, where you want to take the orange tip off, there's a yeah. metal, but it's mega glued on there. If you set that soldering torch right down in the middle of the flash hider and just let it sit there for a little while, you can just turn that thing right off and be done with it. Yep. That's a neat trick, but for plastic, that does not work. So you just got to, you know, latch vice grips on it and figure it out at that point. Well... Uh, so I actually have a couple of videos uh, on our channel early on when I was working on these guns where I did that with the uh, plastic one. So I had the yeah. the, tor the little mini torches, butane torch, whatever. And uh, I would just take, it would take a good five minutes. Yeah. So I wouldn't melt the plastic, you know, where it was like just deformed, but uh, I would just keep running the uh, flame back and over, you know, back and forth over it. And I would eventually get it hot enough, you know, warm enough to where I could grip it and it would just, and it just melted the glue and it would come yeah. right off. But, uh, but yeah, there was the ones they had, I'm going to tell you the ones, there was a couple of them. I think one of them was the sniper. Uh, what's sniper? Was it the Barrett? Yeah, it was a Barrett six millimeter pro shop, uh, Barrett <clears throat> with the big fat, you know, high, uh, flash pressure on the end, you know, yeah. it was orange. Went to take that off. That was uh, cotter pins. On really, the bro. Interesting. Fuck that. Okay, <laughs> I ripped that shit apart. <laughs> I, I heated it till it melted so bad, I just ripped it right out of there and got the cotter pins out. It was a pain in my ass. That's that is the secret to why that M27 up there is a short barrel now instead of the full barrel is because I cannot get this stupid tip <laughs> off of it. <laughs> I was oh, just I like, you, no, we're gonna change this up a little bit. Which I like. I like making stuff a little bit unique. So I mean, a short barrel in twenty seven is cool, you know. Yeah. Or that scar up there that's got the fancy metal stock on it. Don't ask me how much I paid for it. It's too much, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I won't. But it, I do have a couple more questions for you. Um, okay. That before we end, so it's you know it's been a while. It doesn't seem like it's we've been talking that long because uh, man, you're you're very interesting to talk to. You got a bunch of history and uh, obviously an airsoft and a lot of other experience with other things um it's been great hearing your stories and stuff but uh one one thing i forgot to ask you this whole you know usually i ask somebody right away how did you get into airsoft in the first place you know 12 13 years ago whatever i i like that i always like that question so 
unfortunately it's not as common anymore these days which is why it's so important to make sure you know you get people into the sport but you know i went to i saw my buddies go you know to walmart or whatever and get those little cheap spring guns and so we just you know have these little cheap clear plastic guns and we go run around in the yard i think the first time i ever saw that my buddy my buddy jonah who i've known since he was born basically he's a couple years behind me but he um he had one of those spring shotguns i was like okay cool i want one of these and so i started meeting more people that had this stuff and learning about it and i was like you know this is this is for me i like this and yeah i never really had you know parents getting me the cool expensive stuff like that growing up so all my stuff was kind of cheapish up until i was you know grown and out on my own but you know to just watch my friends get like you know, a PTS Masada, which they don't even make anymore, like a saw <laughs> machine gun. And I was like, oh, this stuff is awesome. I want more. <laughs> yeah. So in 2013, I actually started working for a field out here. Air Dog Airsoft, they are long gone, but I loved that place. It was an outdoor field. And uh, when the first guys sold, the first guys that owned the place sold the field to the guy that bought it afterwards, he sold a lot of the rentals off to get new ones. And so I picked up a combat machine M4 and a JG G36, and the rest was history for there. I just kept collecting and kept getting more gear. And um, back in 2013-ish, I was always playing at Elite Ops Airsoft, which has always been my favorite indoor field in Georgia. They're actually in the middle of a move right now. Their old field is closed down, and they're building the new one from the ground up, which is exciting. Oh wow! Um, shout out to Tristan and all of them. He runs the place, and he's he used to tech there in 2013, and now he's now oh, he's shit. GM, you know, and uh, still a legendary tech. But uh, so I used to go there. Well, the person who took me there because I didn't drive back then, you may have heard of, is uh, Aaliyah Marcello. She went by P90 Girl. She doesn't do as much um, airsoft anymore because she's got a family and all that now. I have heard but um, okay, she was—I mean, she was famous back then, and I didn't really understand the scope of any of it. Even she just lived in the area, and she had to go to work there. So she's like, "Hey, oh. who wants to come get in the car and go to Elite Ops?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, you know, I'll—I'll I'll come join." So I spent a lot of days out there playing indoor, and this was before the days of Speedsoft and all this other yeah. new age stuff. Right now, this was like. Everybody had their own little teams, and we even got in a statewide tournament one time, and that's one of my favorite Airsoft memories, I think. We played, they used to call it Warehouse Wars. They played every year. All the best teams in the state would come and play, and it was a 5v5 double elimination tournament. And I remember we took four or five guys that I went to high school with and then met with four guys from a field out in Covington that I had, we didn't know from Adam. Mm. So we joined together with guys that we didn't know, had no clue who they were. We lost the first game and then started running our way all the way through it. And we actually took fourth place in that tournament, just not knowing anybody from anybody else. We beat a couple really good teams and the, the difference between us making third and 
and making fourth was like somebody wasn't across the midfield line, like nobody eliminated the other team. And I was so bummed when we found that out. <laughs> but it, it, that's one of my favorite memories. And I mean, you know, to play against some of the best teams in the state, and it wasn't, you know, Speed QB and all that. Like, Speed QB is pretty much monopolized, you know, the tournament style play now. Sure. But back then, it was you'd have this team that mostly plays Milsim, you have the gas blowback Russian team, which I guess is a predecessor to Speed Soft. Yeah. You'd have. These guys that had never met before, you had just all these different teams come together. You know, some teams, you know, had all their little uniforms together, and then some of us were just like, oh, we're going to wear whatever. You know, it was yeah. it was a really cool environment, and I, I miss them doing that very much. But that was that was one of my definitely one of my favorite favorite things that I've ever uh, favorite things that I've ever done. But I mean, once I started discovering stuff like that, I mean, I knew. And I've actually been through other hobbies since then. I mean, I did stuff with cars and okay, um, co- did collecting stuff for a while. So I would cycle in and out of hobbies, but this is the one I've always come back to. So this is it lets me it it takes all parts of my mind that I need. You know, the collecting aspect, as you can see. You know, right. the technical building, the interaction with people. You know, being able to build people up. You know looking cool on the field, the tactical side that I got from the military, you know, yeah. staying fit. It's like playing video games in real life. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, That's the camaraderie, everything. Wow. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. It covers a lot of bases as far as the, uh, you know, people's interests in hobbies, you know, collecting the, uh, yeah, all that stuff, man. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it, 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 I mean, the only the only person that doesn't like it is my wallet. But <laughs> <laughs> that's that's another common thing <laughs> for airsofters. Oh yeah, but I mean, but I mean, it's it's out there, you know. I mean, it's something that I mean, my dad wouldn't get into it, but I mean, it's something you can get into with your kid, you know, right. your significant other, you know, your parent, you know, you can bond over it. You know, it keeps people out of trouble. I mean, you know, you're not out there doing bad stuff, you know, you're putting your money towards something that you're having fun doing. And absolutely. I mean, it can create a lot of, you know, lifelong connections, you know, people can get famous off of it. It's just got all kinds of just brilliant aspects. And that's why I keep coming back to it. Awesome, man. That's really cool. And how did you uh, come up with call sign cap? Obviously, Captain America. That's what the reference is. I'm, you know, so uh, and you got the you got the shield. And I want to ask you about that because where did you get it, uh, or how did you get it? And then, oh, you got it right there. Hell yeah, dude! That thing it looks <laughs> kind of awesome, man. It looks awesome. And I and saw it's actually my sticker board too. Oh, that's cool. So you got your gear that has the patches, and then you got that that has the stickers. That, yes. Well, I will definitely uh, send you, uh, you know, some of our stuff so you can put one of the sticker, one of our stickers on the back of that. Yeah. Um. So the Captain America thing, it started. It was just a personal thing for me. Um. Years ago. Um. Oddly enough, um, my uncle gave me an old Navy gift card, and that wasn't somewhere I ever shopped. But I went in there, and I hadn't seen any of the Marvel movies yet, so this was probably like 2010, 2011, something like that. Didn't know it was a big thing. And I walked in, and there was a Captain America shirt. It looked a lot like this one. I mean, a lot like this one. And 
it's like, cool, I like that, I'm buying that, you know, and that's what I use my money for. And I started kind of learning about Captain America. You know, I had the want to be in the military. I was JROTC back then, and I liked helping people. I liked being there for people. You know, I didn't like people who kick people around, push people around. You know, all that stuff was in yeah. Captain America's character. So I was like, yeah, this is me. You know, this is. Yeah. And so when I was, I started playing airsoft. That's what I started. You know just started sticking stuff to my gear and wearing the shirts all the time. And it just kind of stuck. And <laughs> I mean, from what I've, I mean, super publicly, like I do, I'm the only one that represents myself with the captain America thing, which is awesome. I mean, shout out to some of those people that are, you know, the predominant person like that, or, you know, that represent themselves with a certain character. Like there's a guy in Germany. I, I want to say that looks just like Jeremy Renner and he goes by call sign Hawkeye. Oh shit. There's a, there's a girl in Chile that does black widow and does all the cosplay when she plays. And, um, there's a Hulk here in the U S nice. And all the, uh, there used to be an iron man, but he, sh he shut his, um, social media down. But yeah, all those people are awesome. And to, to be, that predominant person that represents yourself with that character, you know, it's really cool because, you know, it doesn't stop at airsoft. You know, I went, um, I'll do it for Halloween. A lot of times. I mean, I did a church event here recently where we were just there to help. It was a fall festival thing. We were just there to help the kids or a trunk or treat a couple years back for my car dealership. And you take the shield out there and oh, you yeah. wear all the captain America stuff. And these kids are like, whoa, you're, you know, you're him. And they start, you know, talking to you like you're him and all that stuff. And it's just like, you know, I have a full-size uh, foam Thor hammer too. So oh, nice. after the whole in-game thing, you know, I'd take that out sometimes too and, you know, tell the kids, you know, hey, can you pick it up, you know? Oh, and awesome. it's just it's just fun, you know. It's fun to be, to you know, be associated with a character that everybody knows, but you also kind of, you know, live up to that i mean i try to you know i mean he was the leader you know i try to help lead and motivate people you know when i go out and play i mean you know hey you know hey get into the fight you know you you know you're not going to get any you know you're not going to get it you're not going to better yourself you know standing in the back just waiting you know type right. stuff and it's just i mean that was the biggest thing at high ground that was the thing that made the biggest difference to me was to be able to stand out like that, you know, the shield catches everybody's eye and, you know, Definitely. to have people take pictures with me or, you know, whoa, you're Captain America. And I met another guy that was doing Deadpool and he was really cool. And we talked for a while and shook hands because of it. And, um, I got to, I got to interview with a guy, which I was bummed out because a lot of the footage was ruined by the wind and the microphone. Oh, but, so it right. didn't get on YouTube, but, um, it was just a cool experience and it's just a lot of, you get a lot of attention that way. Sure. And the shield itself, um, my first shield was metal and it wasn't as realistic looking. And I actually walked into a pop culture store in the mall in Knoxville and I said, Hey, can I buy that? And they're like, well, it's not for sale, but I can go try to find out how much. Oh, shit. <laughs> and I actually took it off their hands oh, my and, God. um, That's I cool. stuck my... YouTube, because I was doing a few YouTube videos back then, I stuck my YouTube and my Instagram, you know, vinyl stickers across it, and I'd carry it to the field just like I do this one every time, and be like, 
you know, hey, you know, follow me. It's right here. You know, all you got to do is pull the phone out and, you know, click on it and all that. Oh, shit. Nice. And, you know, you get extra followers that way. But, I mean, it's just – it's really cool to be able to have, you know, a way to – something to associate yourself with like that, especially, especially a character that embodies kind of the way that you are as a person. And – to have a props like that, you know, that people are like, whoa, that's incredible. I mean, the thing was like 110 bucks at a pop culture store. <laughs> it was a gift. I'm not going to say from who because it's not somebody who is in my life anymore nor deserves the recognition, <laughs> unfortunately. Gotcha. But yeah, um, it was it was it was a really cool gift. I mean, it's a little beat up, but I mean, you know, I said, you know, if you're not if you're not out there playing around with it, you're not having fun, you know. Yeah. And uh because it was actually the first week I had it was July 4th, which is surprise, surprise is my favorite holiday. And her little brother was out there playing with it. He was like four or something like that, just having a grand old time. And she got mad at me for it. I'm like, what? It's meant to be played with, you know, let the kid have his fun. <laughs> right. And people always ask me, oh, are you going to take it out on the field? And I'm like, well, I have. It's not really practical because I'm six feet tall, but my home field used to do the – uh, used to let me play with it and the rifle. Now they just do pistol with shields. Gotcha. But I used to be able to play with it and the rifle, so I just set the rifle up on top of it and oh, run nice. around. <laughs> um, I think... I think the best thing... Probably the best quote that came out of Captain America from the comics was... Um, you uh, Peggy Carter said it in the movies, and I can't remember the whole thing. It's on the back of my shirt right now. But talking about when everybody's going against you, you stand there and don't allow and don't allow yourself to be moved, which is true in a lot of things, especially the way the world is nowadays. But um, I really liked where they went recently with the newer Captain America stuff with, um, you know, you always knew who Captain America was. But when they in the TV series, when they made that new guy, you know, the face of the country, the super soldier, the new Captain America. He was this, you know, Captain America was this kid from Queens, this young guy. He got kicked around and bullied all the time. Right. But he was a good-hearted person. Right. And they turned him into the, they turned you know, he, that's why they chose him, and they turned him into the super soldier, and he never forgot who he was. Right. And never stopped being who he was. When they took the guy in the TV series and handed him the shield, they picked him as the top of the top, the best of the best soldier out of the military, and they said, here, this is yours now. So, of course, what does that give you? A big, huge head. You're mm -hmm. awful at the job, you know, all that other stuff. Yeah. And that was kind of the point that they were making. You, you know, a, you have to be a great man first to be a great soldier. You, you're not going to be a great soldier and turn him into that great man that superhero and fill those shoes you that's have to have a, a good point. heart it really is man that's uh and it's such a subtle thing you know some sometimes people don't realize they're in that mindset when they uh you know in this you know not just super soldiers or superheroes but in real life uh, when people uh get to a certain level or point, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, a content creator and they have some success with that or they, uh, in, in a career or whatever, you know, um, and they get a, you know, that ego 
gets in their way and they don't realize it. You know, and I, I've talked about this before on a couple to- uh, podcasts previously where the reason I went in the Marine Corps was I was getting bullied when I was like eight, nine years old. You know, I'm in elementary school uh, and these guys were in high school, you know, young high, you know, they were probably in eighth or ninth grade, but uh, a lot older than us. And they would beat up me and my buddies and they would, I don't know why, I don't know what happened, but there was a couple year period where, man, I was terrified to walk home from school. They would just, I mean, I'm talking not words, okay? Not like what they call bullying today, not words. I'm talking punches to the face, punches to the gut, uh, throwing me face first into a tree, you know, taking my book bag. We didn't have um, backpacks back then, but book bag and just dumping my shit all over the place, kicking it in the street. Uh, and, and I was terrified, um, but, and that's what, you know, eventually, uh, I was like, I want to go in the military. Originally I was like, I'm going to go in the military and, and so no one will mess with me. And then later on it was, I want to, you know, probably when I was like 11, um, my dad was playing cards with his buddies and my dad was in the Navy. All his buddies were, uh, Marines from World War II and stuff. And uh, that's why I was like, okay, Marines, you know, definitely no one's going to fuck with me if I'm a Marine. Yep. Well, on the top, yep. <laughs> yeah. And uh, when I'm 12, 13, I had a growth spurt. And honestly, kind of like, I think it was, uh, a, you know, it was a good thing and good timing for that because I, uh, I had years before I went in the military to kind of, um, I was bigger than everyone, you know, like for the first yeah. time. Uh, and so in sixth and seventh grade, I'm like taller than ever. I'm, I was at 12 years old. I was five, 10 and a half, you know, or I'm five eleven now. Um, and so I, I had a few years when I was still young, we're just coming out of getting my ass beat. You're right. So I didn't like bullies. Uh, and, but I, so I stuck up for the little guys, you know, cause yep. I had this size now. And, um, but I didn't, I wasn't, uh, vengeful. I wasn't like, yeah. I'm going to fucking, now I'm going to turn this around. And, you know, now that I have this size, so I had time to get over that kind of ego part, you know, because I was so damaged, you know, like, uh, just beat up or whatever for a couple of years. Um, I, I had time before I was, uh, you know, an older teenager to get over that kind of stuff and get over myself and get over that. I didn't have um, resentments, you know, I got over them. Uh, and I realized, okay, whatever, you know, and honestly, looking back on it now, if I can meet those guys today, the two guys that used to beat my ass, um, I'd thank them because it made me who I am. Honestly, uh, I, I was tougher for it. Um, you know, I, I made certain decisions that I'm really glad I made because of it. And, and to me, that it, it was really similar for me because I was like that too. I was always getting kicked around without, you know, really giving anybody any reason. And that's why I became how I am. I mean, bad home life was like that too. I mean, sometimes the best things that uh, your parents can teach you is what not to be in certain right. cases. And it gave me a sort of you know, calm to not fight back unless I had to and a level of forgiveness to where you don't get vengeful and hateful with people. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the, one of 
that's that's why I live the way I do. I mean, it does standing up for people that can't stand up for themselves to some pretty awful people. It comes second nature to me. Yeah. And you know, obviously, you know, superheroes as we see them on TV aren't real. But if you watch a lot of the Marvel stuff, a lot of those people, they're not super and they're not perfect they've all got their flaws and it's supposed to be kind of representative of how we are as humans yeah and yeah superheroes aren't real but you may be the only thing standing in between you know for example somebody in taking their life their own life or maybe the only thing standing in front of somebody between somebody and an abuser you know those situations come up in everyday life and you know people People who have grown up a certain way and who have kind of shaped themselves a certain way are good at that. And those are the kind of people that need to be there for people, you know, and not be vengeful. You know, sometimes the best way to get, sometimes the best vengeance, as they say, is living a happy life and helping somebody else live a happy life in the face of that, you know? Absolutely. So that's just, and as you know, you mentioned the Marine Corps. I'll give you a uh, Semper Fi from my dad because that oh, was shit. his uh, – he was air wing. Oh, shit. Nice. Okay. Ooh, I did not mean to do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Where'd your camera go? Oh, that's your phone. That's right. That. That's okay. You're fine. So, yeah. I, you you uh, actually that was... it up quick. So, your dad was in the uh, in the Marines in the air wing. Okay. Yes. And, oh, that's uh, awesome. You talk about not being bullied in the Marine Corps. Those guys, uh, those guys got bullied because they were they were not grunts. And they, Dad said there was like three or four jobs you could take that wasn't grunts. Oh yeah. And his ASVAB score, his recruiter said, "You're not going to be a grunt. I don't care what you tell me. You're going to do something oh, yeah. smart." He was smart, yeah. And uh, he did his four years, and they got rid of his airplane, so he he took his out and uh, okay. went to Delta and worked there thirty three years. Wow. So walking in his footsteps is what I'm trying to do right now with that. Yeah, dude. That's cool. Yeah, I uh, I did four as well and got out. And my wife and I started having kids right away. Uh, dude, the first year we were ma- we got married, we were 21. I still had two years left in the Marine Corps. And um, the first month we're married, I want to have kids. I was like, bro, chill out, okay? Slow down, killer. <laughs> we're, we're trying to spend time together. We're out here in Southern California. I was stationed at Pendleton, but, uh, yep. my wife, yeah. She was, so we ended up having five kids and, uh, two oh, wow. of them, yeah, two of them are, uh, uh, I have three boys, two girls, two of them are on, uh, my YouTube channel. So the, okay. there's, there's four of us on the YouTube channel, me, JP, Coltrane and Chris. Well, Coltrane and Chris are my sons. So, okay. uh, yeah. And that's how the YouTube channel started. Cause they started playing. I started filming and, uh, you know, so, um, but anyway, yeah, that was, uh, I, I, uh, I aspire for that one day to be able to do that with my kids because my dad wasn't really into getting into what, you know, his kids were into. My dad actually wanted me to be good at sports and I was yeah. never fully good at any specific sport, so he didn't <laughs> like it, Oh yeah, but you know, later on, I'm like, dude, you need to, you need to try this airsoft thing, you know, try some video games and whatever. He just wouldn't do it. And I'm like, gotcha. But I'm, that's going to be me with my kids one day. I'm going to be like video games, sign me up, you know? 
Yeah, dude. Come try this airsoft thing. You know, it's gonna be it's fun, and you know, I'm I'm grateful that uh, even though Mara won't, you know, come and join me and play, that she wants to be a big part of everything. So yeah, she wants really me to be happy special, and do man. what I do. Really special. That's cool. Uh, yes, sir. I have a, I have one last question for you, and then we'll get your um, get some of your info so I can uh, okay. shout you out and get get people to get your Instagram uh, even more. You're growing. Yes, fast, sir. Man. That's good. Hell yeah. That way, when you get your YouTube channel going, that uh, and you stop overthinking it and just do it. Okay, uh, it doesn't have to be perfect. Okay, just you just got to start, and then everyone starts it at some at some point. Okay, we all have a starting point. You'll get better along the way. It'll be fine. Um, we'll get that, and then uh, we'll we'll let everybody know what your uh, you know help you grow your Instagram and stuff, but. Uh, you're in Georgia. I'm in South Carolina. I'm only two hours away from SS Airsoft. How far are you away from there? Probably you know 40. At? Yeah, it's a uh, Sugar Hill. Um, yeah. Oh, real quick on that subject before. Uh, um, actually, I'll give you my second favorite uh, memory here real quick because yeah. it involves SS. So I lived in Knoxville, Tennessee, and the closest field to Knoxville was Chattanooga, which was like an hour out. And I was more than excited to start playing more fields. So in my infinite brilliance, I decided that I was going to play four fields in one weekend Holy and shit. scheduled it out. Two states, four fields. Oh, and so I drove out to Chattanooga on Friday night. I played Insane Airsoft in Chattanooga, drove back home, slept a little bit. And I drove right down five uh, through Tennessee, down 575. I hit SS during the morning time, had a great time there, uh, went to SWAT Airsoft, which is now Fort 13, uh, that evening. Absolutely love that place. It's actually outdoor now, but those people make you feel like family. Wow. And then I went from there, I slept in my car overnight and went to uh, <laughs> Team Airsoft Georgetown, which is actually our probably the most comprehensive uh outdoor field that we have in the state which is in dawsonville nice and i did all that in four days in three days time it was oh awesome my God. like these people were handing me patches for the fields and all that other stuff like they're like you did what <laughs> like all four wristbands <laughs> on my hand it was crazy oh my god dude that's crazy bro yeah but, that is a yeah. uh, that's an airsoft trip for sure oh yeah but um I, I've always aspired to do what the Marcellos used to do, P90 girl and her whole family. Yeah. They would just go play. They wouldn't take their gear with them. And they would go, if they were on vacation, they'd go grab rental gear and play. <laughs> just yeah. kick people's butts. With all the rental stuff. <laughs> with all the rental stuff. And I was like, I'm doing that one day. But, um, but yeah, so SS is probably somewhere between an hour and an hour and a half. I'd have to say it's a uh, North side of Atlanta. So not far. Okay. Well, uh, the reason I ask is because, uh, you know, I'm only two hours away from there from SS. I've never been there. Uh, I just saw a couple days ago that they posted. They're having a call of duty event on September 2nd and 3rd, which is a Friday and Saturday. Uh, and they're having, most of the group from Call of Duty. So Jammer Actual, who is Call of Duty Ghost. Uh, yeah. His Instagram is Jammer Actual. Uh, Alex Zedra. Uh, and then the other, there's two others that are in uh, Call of Duty characters, you know. 
And um, they're all going to be there. And it's going to be this Call of Duty event. Now, I have followed Jammer Actual for probably a couple months. And I think I found out about him from, I, I found out about him from, it, it was probably Honey Badger because this dude talks to everybody. Uh, <laughs> but it, uh, it might have been somebody else that I talked with. Um, but uh, he is a, he's a Marine as well. He was in the Marines and um, he was uh, special forces in the Marines. So I have chatted with him, yeah, a couple times. And I actually asked him, the last time, it was like uh, two, three weeks ago, he posted on his Instagram something about going back to SS or going somewhere for an event where uh, to for Airsoft, you know, because he's a real steel guy. And, um, but he had done the uh, event there for the launch of Call of Duty. And, oh, no, he was at the 12 uh, year anniversary at SS. That's what it was. So um, he posted, a, yeah, like three weeks ago saying, should I do another airsoft event? And everyone was like, of course, yes, you know. And I said, yeah, hell yes, and I'd love to have you on the podcast, right? So I've asked him a couple times to be on a podcast. So uh, I am looking forward. I'm going to this event in Georgia on September 2nd and 3rd. And um, I'm trying to get the rest of my guys, you know, my two sons and their friend JP, to go down there so we can all go as the trifecta team and uh and go down there and meet everybody so and we'll be filming and passing out stickers and shit so uh but anyway if you are available that weekend i would love to meet you there that'd be great because i saw the ad for this and i can't remember did you say it was the second of september oh yeah uh yeah the second and third yeah so the second is friday I, I'm I'm already going to be absolutely um, psyched at that point because I'm actually off the entire next week. Um, I I did see that event and I meant to share it on my story and it got like discarded or something like that and I couldn't find it again. But yes, I'll absolutely be there and I'm going to try to be there with all four of my guys too. Oh, that'd be awesome, dude. Hey, listen, do you follow uh, Spooky Airsoft? I do. I was just talking to her the other day too. Yeah, her. so her husband was a Marine as well. So Nick yeah, Sandberg. Yeah. Yeah, Sandy Cheeks. Yeah, I was I was just talking about him the other day because uh, I I uh, I give uh, I give uh, Mara grief all the time about that. I'm like, look, look at this, look at this yeah. married couple look, that play look. together. Let's She's go play. Playing. <laughs> She's playing. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, oh, I was just yeah. talking to them about that and how she. Uh, I just thought it was interesting how she's um, how she does like all that you know to market herself and get all the followers and all that. And he, right. you know, he doesn't do a lot of that. You know, he just has fun with it. So I'm like, see, you know, there's something different for literally everyone. Absolutely, man. Yeah, it's cool. So I, I'm guessing they're going to be there because that's their home field. Uh, oh I yeah. Talk to him yet? But I'm I'm assuming they will be. I, I'm supposed to do a podcast with her. Uh, next week, so that's going to be uh, exciting too. Yeah, dude, I'm I, I can't wait. It's uh, it, it'll be our first time. Like I said, my first time going to SS, so I'm really excited. And uh, of course, that event, and I'm going to get to meet all these people that I've been wanting to meet. Um, I'll I'll give you if you haven't talked to them yet, I'll give you another uh, cool uh, couple that you might uh, be able to talk to. Um, they're on some really good speed soft team up in Pennsylvania. Uh, the, uh, the girl goes by mama Yaga airsoft and the guy, the guy's name's Dylan. They, they're, uh, they date and, uh, they're really kind down to earth people that would probably love to talk to you as well. 
I would love to have her on. Actually, uh, I don't remember if I've actually, if I've sent her a message on here or on Instagram yet. You know, if I've asked her, I started yeah. following her back when I started doing podcasts with all the girls, you know, airsoft yeah. girls throughout. Uh, and I was going to say, uh, you know, throughout the UK, I've talked to a handful of girls out in the UK, a bunch of them that play at Dirty Dog. So yep. um, I talked to I talked to a lot of uh, a lot of the ones that play over there, too. And just yeah. a lot of a lot of great people that play in that area. Yeah, absolutely. So I haven't uh, I haven't done one with her yet, but um, I'll have to. Uh, definitely uh get her on here that'd be cool yeah she's one of that handful of people that i uh that i'll you know interact back and forth with every now and then and dylan's really awesome too they're just they're really good people there's a lot of really good people like that out there that yeah you know are really worth you know talking to hearing all the stories from and all that for sure well man listen uh it has been great talking with you uh Man, so many stories and uh you got a broad background it's really cool you're you sound like a wonderful person man um you know just uh wholesome thank and, you <laughs> uh yeah dude it's uh it's really cool to see um you know a lot of experience in airsoft a lot of experience with 105 guns over the last 12 you know whatever <laughs> 10 years <laughs> um you know, a lot of trial and error and, and learning yeah. stuff and, uh, and and driving, you know, 12 hours to an event and 12 <laughs> hours back, like in the same, you know, 24-hour period. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, dude, that's cool, man. You got you got some good stuff going on, man. I really I am glad that we met. Absolutely. Me too. Awesome, dude. Well, listen, everybody, everyone that watches this and uh, listens to this, go to call sign cap. That's C-A-P. Uh, on Instagram and Adam, I'll have a link in the description uh, when this video comes out. And also this, this uh, you know, I take the audio and put it on all yeah. podcast apps. Um, I put it okay. on Spotify, iHeartRadio. I mean, I don't literally put it on there. I put it on one service that I pay for and it puts out to all that. But it's That's on, awesome. uh, it's available on every podcast app you can think of. So I'll have the description, you know, uh, your... Um, uh, all your info, you know, well, not all your info, your Instagram on, <laughs> in there uh, on that and the YouTube video as well. This will come out early next week. And um, yeah, man, it's been a wonderful Friday night talking with you, bro. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here, bro. I'll, uh, we'll, we'll have to do it again. And I can't wait to meet you in person. September 2nd, yes, sir. Hell yeah. All right, man. You have a good night, brother. You as well. All right, guys. Have a good night, everybody. Bye.